What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Middle cough. Hey, be Can I just hit you with the best thing I heard today? Yeah. Okay, let's. Right now, I don't want to say what it is. Yeah. <laughs> all right, sounds. First thing you do when you wake up. First thing I do when I wake up, I say, "Hey, you all right?" Oh! <laughs> <laughs> no, first. <laughs> say what you do. Who are you interviewing today? <laughs> Oh, my God. Like, Shaq, this is not TNT. He really is one of the great personalities. You know, just, I know Kobe, he drove Kobe nuts. He was lazy or whatever, but he's he's an all-timer, man. Wow. He's an all-timer. Yeah, he is. That's fantastic. (laughs) It wasn't wasn't like Good Morning America or anything, but uh, that's that's pretty funny. (laughs) At first, I had to do it. What was it? No, it was just, yeah, I don't even know. I didn't even recognize the channel. Oh, okay. That I thought it was because his ex-wife does, I think, is on a morning show, right? Is she really? Shining? Maybe not, maybe not. Because at first, it, the girl asking him, I guess she's not a girl, I mean, she's probably like 35, 40, kind of looks like her. I was like, damn, Shaq. <laughs> but yeah, you know, in fairness to Shaq, didn't he pay her, I mean, a lot of money? Shaq's banked a decent amount of cash over the years. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Uh, I honestly didn't know they were divorced. I, 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 may, I forgot about that. Yeah, I think they've been divorced, quote unquote. May, maybe it's not even official. Maybe it was you know cheaper to keep her in the sense that like you get a divorce for a guy like him, it's it ain't gonna be cheap, right? When you made five hundred million dollars, no matter all those kids yeah, together, no matter the state. Yeah, no matter the state. Wow, that's fair. Well, that I gotta funny. go. I gotta go. So is Shaq promoting something? Do you have a book or something coming out? I, you know, it's a hell of a question. It's just the clip. You know, it's classic NBA 2019. Yeah. Just just bored. You know, he's just always doing shit. He's probably just got a new uh, new degree in being a sheriff in some city. Maybe he's got a, yeah, maybe he's got an album, a movie. Yeah. <laughs> Made jam! Rest. Jam! Jam! He used to have the classic rap songs. It does go to show, like, there are a lot of people out there that are really funny that make comedies that aren't funny. You know, like, it's just hard. Like Shaq yeah. just, you're like, 
we're gonna make a movie with Shaq. You think it'll eh, give it a shot? He's funny, right? I would. I, and in his peak, it was always worth it because he was so famous and he was just the most. Wouldn't you say one of the more likable athletes the last thirty years? Yeah. Just kind of universally, people are gonna like him. Yep. How could you hate him? I know. I did for a brief. I mean, as a I did. For, fan, I did I for a. Br- I did for a brief moment. Uh, but then, like, it was easy to just turn the hate to the to the Mamba. And and honestly, guy, I don't know where you stand on this. Hmm. You see the viral picture last week of him coaching the team. Yeah. All the girls furious. Yeah, yeah. Then he got a lot of back. You could tell he got a lot of shit. Because then he he Instagrams like two days later, this was me dancing. You could tell he felt a little bad. Even yeah. Kobe felt bad. Right. I actually, I can't like Kobe enough post-retirement. Just, you know, because the way he thinks is not going to go over well with society. And I like him ruffling feathers on social media. I know. I wish, I just, it goes to show nobody is immune if they haven't been like truly themselves on social media for a long period of time. Nobody's immune to it. I would tell Kobe is like Kobe. None of that. It's don't even. You don't have to say anything. It's so. Actually, I would I would encourage you to attack the people who are attacking you. It is so stupid. Like and take I, the I'd Chappelle say, I'd route. Say, I'd say this for Kobe, having experienced it. You have a group like the Beehive or like Barstool's crew that will go to fucking war for you. So you can probably say just about anything. I mean, there are just the basic lines you can't cross. But in shit like this, just. You're going to be harder on young people. Be you, man, because you will have the support of your crew that is ride or die with you. I promise you. But like you said, he for the first moment, we we're like, oh, we're getting a little Kobe here. Like this, this little wuss, you know, she's dance recitaling and we finished seventh and you see the faces. Can you imagine how miserable it is? Like, it's one thing if you were a boy and even if you're a boy now, like, sixth seventh grade you don't really remember kobe like pete kobe that much the girls definitely aren't going like why don't we even care about this guy and he's just a royal asshole like runs harder practice bend your knees and the girls were like this is i'm gonna quit basketball like half that team has thought mom dad like begging can i please quit and the mom and dad are thinking kobe's my coach no you're playing yeah I will say I don't quite understand why he had to call out the girl who decided to go to dance recital. Because again, guy, that's him. Like that is him. I know. Like you're right that his true personality is so crazy that when just a tiny little bit comes out, people are like, "Gee, this guy is nuts." But part of him being nuts is what made him Kobe Bryant, right? Like he is. Even like Peyton Manning wise, you you could argue like the last twenty years. Like Kobe and Tiger, like if you really just, and even Tiger is probably even a little more normal. Like Kobe, for being a team guy, felt See, more isolated do, than everyone. Do, yeah. Do you think Tiger's more normal, or just because he plays an individual sport? When I say more normal, I think Tiger has a better understanding. Like he could just talk. I don't even think he'd think like that. Like, don't you feel Tiger with his kids? It's like just. It's just kind of trying to be a good dad, you know? I don't think he's being over bare. Yeah, like, Kobe yeah, is being Kobe Bryant to his girls. And not just to yeah, his but, girls, but, but to their friends. But Kobe Bryant to his girls comes off like Earl Woods to Tiger. Well, that's what I'm and saying. And he's probably I, more normal than Earl. Yeah. If I had to get... I mean, Earl was... I mean, check the... Yeah, Earl's yeah, nuts. I, no, I, I know, I know. I think Kobe modern day 2019, you wouldn't see many Kobe's. Now, part of it is he's Kobe, but 
the girl, like, he meant what he said about that girl going to the dance recital over basketball practice, right? That, that was, that wasn't fake. 100% real. It doesn't get any realer. Like, his post was as real as it got. And their faces, to me, so represented great. his vibe, right? And just, they could feel him mad and just, it was a miserable place to be. Just no way around it. It's a miserable team to play for. Oh. <laughs> I can't get enough of it. I, I wouldn't well, mind. What were they, third place? Series. Is that what the deal was? They were in th- they had gotten a third place trophy? I thought it was seventh. Oh, was it that bad? Like, I, I, yeah. I thought they were really bad. Like They, they weren't, it turned, wasn't even close. No. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Ease. Yeah. Eneswellness.com. Both of them promo code HAM. E-A-Z-E is how you spell Ease, John. Yep, ease.com, the best, the best THC delivery in the state of California. Go to ease.com, type in the promo code HAM, get $20 off your first purchase, over $50, depending on where you live, you might get a free delivery. They have pre-rolls, they got vapes, they have topicals, they have it all. Then our friends at Ease Wellness, nationwide CBD delivery, drop shipment, three to five days to your house, right in front of your door, guy. You go to easewellness.com, just like ease.com, you search around, topicals, uh, you got the drops, you have the sleep aids. You even have the doggy treats. And they will be delivered to your house. EaseWellness.com. Promo code HAM. We appreciate the support. Share it with your friends. Uh, for those of you that have already used it. Podcast we, take, also- we, take grass, we take grassroots uh, marketing here, literally and figuratively. That's right. Uh, podcast also brought to you by MyBookie.ag. Mm. Promo code HAM1. No one gives you more ways to win than MyBookie. They've got the fastest payouts, better lines than any other sports book. And uh, the promo code when you do it is HAM and the numeral 1. There's no better time to gamble right now. MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM1. We have, we have college football, obviously the Thursday night football game every week. Jacksonville home dog right now, Gardner Minshew, the mm. fighting Mike Leaches. Hmm. Uh, kind of like Jacksonville in that game against the Houston Texans or the Indianapolis Colts or one of those AFC South teams. And uh, but to me, the be- the better game this week, guy, it's the Texans. It's the Texans. That's what I thought. Is uh, I-, I always lean once you get past hell, maybe right away the Thursday night home team to me just has an advantage. Like you got a crazy short week; they don't have to travel. Jackson to- Jacksonville to Houston. You know, it's not that close, right? It's not like, you know, Washington Eagles or a game like that. Like, I checked the map. Like, Washington and Houston are pretty far away. It's at least like a two-and-a-half-hour flight. Uh, but the game... John, it's, ten- I, it's Tennessee. My mistake. It's Tennessee. Tennessee-Jackson. See, that's see, that's a little closer. Uh, Tennessee's coming off a pretty devastating loss to the Colts. Did, uh, the game that I got circled, though, Utah, which the Pac-12 playoff hopes at the Trojans. And I, I've remembered, and I was texting you yesterday, I'm like, God, remember when Lane got beat? And you're right, they didn't beat him in L.A., they beat him in Utah, and it was a big upset at the time. And it was before Utah had really kind of became this level of Utah. Like, they were good, and they were producing pros, but they weren't talked about like a college football playoff team. This is a big freaking game, and Utah plus four, to me, that's a fishy line, because you're like, I'd say everyone in the country thinks Utah is easily a touchdown better, but and you go, SC... Utah's coming off a cupcake. SC's coming off a very physical overtime loss to BYU. Kind of reeling, short week. I like Utah big, but to me, Vegas tells you, well, not so fast. And in fairness, I'll say this. 
just watch, keeping an eye on SC and this. How do you say his name? Sloven. Keaton Slovis. He's pretty good. Like I, he is with you. He's not bad. You could make an argument. He's an. He's not a downgrade. I. I wouldn't go as far as an upgrade, but he's at worst neutral, right? From he's JT Daniels, I, I'm, I, here's what I think when I watch him. When I watch Keaton Slovis, I think, I don't think JT Daniels is going to start another game for USC because I think this guy's good enough to just keep being their quarterback because he makes plays. You know, he, the, his whole thing, I love the whole thing with, you know, Kurt Warner was his high school offensive coordinator, uh, had some late offers, whatever. Where is he for, he's from Arizona. From Arizona. Um, you go back, I went back and watched the BYU-USC game. He made some mistakes. I mean, three threw three interceptions. It was a lot of – like the, a linebacker picked off two of them, confused them with uh, zone coverages, John. It's not really Utah's thing. Utah's got really good corners. They play man. Um, so, outside of mistakes he made, which he made, you can't take him away, but I actually thought he played really well. So, I think he's a really good player. I think that's probably part of this is like people feel like, like – he could win them the game, or he could lose them the game. Like it's, well, see, to that, me, that's what's going to happen. Well, see, guy, that, that's why you get fucking paid the big bucks. Mybookie.ag promo code ham one. I kind of like SC after that. I forgot. You're right. Utah man coverage team. Well, what's the best attribute of this USC team? They're wideouts. So you would go. Well, USC's wideouts are going to be better probably than every team they play in terms of their corners. Besides, like Alabama and LSU in the country, Utah does so you, have that guy Jalen Johnson, who's probably going supposed to be a first year. rounder. Yeah. Okay. Well, then you go. He I goes think he's with, better than Paulson Adebo, who got roasted last week at UCF. Who? It, yeah, that's a tough matchup, and UCF came out fast. John, let's just say that I did, there was a little film study. Sent some of the film to your friend, guest of the pod, Daniel Jeremiah. I said, "TJ, this is not good." And DJ yeah. said, "Yeah, I watched him in the summer, and he's a little stiff." Hype's a little high. Yeah, so we can pump the brakes on that hype. Well, this is a good, for this guy, what's the guy's name at Utah? The corner? J- Jalen Johnson. You know where we went to high school? Where? Central. Oakland Tech? Oh, he's a, he's a Valley guy. This is a time when you're a corner and you make some money. <clears throat> because these USC corners are NFL guys. Especially Carr. Uh, so, you fucking shut him down. That's, that's just, that line though, you, and we've talked about it. That's, it's, a, it's a weird line. Right, because Utah is a better football team, and Utah's yeah. ta- like Utah. To your point, like as they've gotten better over the years now in the Pac-12, they're talented. Like their D line is yeah. really good, their corners are good, safeties are good, linebackers good, O line solid, running back might be the best in the league. Quarterback is throwing seventy eight percent, but they haven't they, played anybody. They've beat SC before. They've played with them really tight. Like well, they, don't they went USC. for two last time they're in LA. Remember they went for two, didn't get it, lost. Yeah, beat Sam Darnold in his debut. So they, they they don't view SC as like some superior program, right? No, it's gonna be a weird night. Urban's gonna be there. Reggie Bush is gonna be there. God, that's that's the game of the week. That's better than the NFL game for me. For me, but again, like I, now, granted, I didn't even right. know the Jags. I, I, I didn't even know what, the Jags opponent. I go back to what you said. I know. <laughs> I go back to you said it's some AFC South team. What's the difference? Um, In fairness, I like the AFC South more than the NFC South. I really I, do. You know what? I said it to somebody yesterday. I agree. Um, but Utah, by almost every measure, should win the game, and I think they will. But I, I'm staying away just because it's weird, and I don't. I, I I've watched the kid play three games, and right when JT Daniels went down, I remember the first thing I do whenever one of those guys, like someone goes down, the next guy's in, especially yeah. at a big program, you just Google their rival, right? Because you typically, like, the guy's gonna be not some random player. You Google their and rivals, not the rival. Team. Yeah, the yeah. rivals.com page to see how many offers the guy had. 
And this guy for SC standards, like JT Daniels was a huge recruit. Justin Fields, huge recruit. Like a lot of these guys, you know, the guy at Washington, huge recruit. This guy was not that. Like you said, not just late offers. When you look at his offers, he was more of like a Mountain West prospect. Now, and sometimes these programs, and Saban's famous for this over the years, if we fall in love with a guy, we don't give a shit how many stars he has, where he's from. If we like him, we like him. Right. And I'll give Clay credit. And I'm actually, I'm supporting Clay. You know, we got two coaches in L.A. One's kind of mailing it in. Coward's been talking about that there are some rumblings at UCLA Boosters. Like, hey, Chip, you don't get to lose and then not be friendly to everyone. Mm. And I'd go, well, you guys know what you got. He's not Mr. Friendly, so mm. don't expect him to come to the booster meetings. But I give Clay credit, man. He tries. I know he's not Urban Meyer or anything, but his effort and his passion for the program, I, I, I like the guy. I, I really think that he's... I got no problem shitting on bad coaches when I just feel like Chip's mailing it in. Like I, Clay is not. Well, Clay gives Clay, you everything he has. Clay last year decided, okay, I'll take play calling back. This year goes out and tries to hire, even though he's an offensive guy. I'll go hire another offensive guy. Let, yeah, let's change. Like let's change. Let's USC. Let's run the let's run the air raid. Let's go. And again, to me, there are just differences between quarterbacks that turn the ball over. Like this guy, I think's got some. He's got some. They got something in this guy. Well, I, I watched three games, guy, and I know he's a true freshman. I just think NFL player. Now, that doesn't mean like first or second round, but I just think this guy. Oh, do you really? If he's a three or four year starter. I've not thought that. You don't think that Sloven like just has NFL ability? He's tall. Slo- he's got a Slovis. good arm. Yeah, how tall Slovis, is he? I mean, I mean six three. Right? Is he? I, yeah, I don't know. He that nine looks really big to me. That's maybe that's why my. Well, because like, nine is you, not the best number, in my opinion. You agree that JT Daniels always look kind of small and just like, well, I just don't see it. To me, JT Daniels was always the classic overhype player, where you're just, I don't know. It could, it could it's be hard going to tell in with the preconceived people. notions. Yeah. I, I, again, when I say NFL player, like Gardner Minshew's drafting the sixth round is now starting. You never yeah, would have thought. So list, it's just listed at six two. Got to be open minded. Six two two hundred. Yeah, you're so, right. So no, height doesn't matter. Six foot and a half. I thought, like so there's like if, seven if air raid, there's like seven air raid quarterbacks starting in the NFL this week. You won't find a dating profile of John Middlecoff that doesn't have a six foot. So yeah, <laughs> I mean, we, we, we overinflate. We overinflate numbers. There's nothing. So there's a chance the kid's a little shade under six. Well, are you gonna come around and open my door? No, just hop in the Tahoe. I'll sit right here. <laughs> yeah. How tall's Minshew? Yeah, I mean not taller than six two. Six I mean, six 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 one. Probably six one. But do, you know, here's the thing though in football. And Kyler Murray has helped the Minchus and Bakers. Because you watch Kyler Murray, you're like, this is the smallest NFL quarterback I've ever seen. And then if you go to like a Minchu-Baker game, they don't look as small. They don't look necessarily normal, like an Eli, you know, a guy like Phillip Rivers or something. But they're dramatically smaller than like the, the quote-unquote smaller quarterbacks, like a Derek Jimmy. Like, Derek looks, I actually think Derek's grown, but like Jimmy is probably on the lower end of the threshold. He doesn't look tall. But but like Baker and Minshew now look semi-capable relative to Kyler, who by far is the smallest player I've ever seen in NFL history behind center. <laughs> Guy, he looks tiny. I mean, it, it. every time you open your eyes, you just watch, you're like, even him versus Lamar, Lamar just looks normal. You know, Lamar, yeah, that's an NFL quarterback. Ky- yeah, Kyler he does. looks fucking like a midget. Now... In fairness to Lamar, Lamar is like 6'2". Like, height was never a question with him. He was not. You know, he's 5'11". No, that wasn't Lamar's deal. I actually think Lamar might have measured in at almost 6'3 at the combine. Kyler looks... If you told me Kyler's legitimately no shoes 5'7 and a half, I'd probably believe you. 
Seriously, guy. Yeah. I mean, I, Lamar looks I think the part. He's, guy, he's playing the part. He's got seven touchdowns. Well, I right know now. he's playing the part. That's more important. I'm just saying. He, We'll probably get into NFL headlines, but we got a sneaky MVP tilter this weekend. You know, Mahomes, Lamar. That's yeah. a, that's a that's an excellent week three game, uh, and we get it here in the Bay Area. By the way, thank, thank you, Jesus. All right, uh, quick piece of big news here: Jalen Ramsey. We talked about this a little bit the other day. Wants a trade. Uh, the Minka Fitzpatrick Minka happened. We'll talk about him in headlines. Um, he did say yesterday in his press conference. I love the Jags. I just want to fucking win. Like it was, he clearly they asked for a trade. Like that's yeah. not deniable. But he didn't come out and then double down when they put the mic in front of. He's a little bit. He didn't. He could have made it. Uh, he could have burned the house down, and he didn't. It. He was in somewhat of a weird spot because they do play Thursday. I think that kind of made like gotta have a fucking game. In well, two what days. his agents probably told him is like, hey man, you can't be too much of a. Someone's gonna have to trade a first for you and then pay you. So you you gotta act like. Make them think that you can fit in. Well, you know the other curveball is that Jalen Ramsey does not make $700,000. He was the fifth overall pick. He's making $7.5 this year. So it's like, hey, I want to trade. I'm going to sit out. Well, actually, I'm not going to sit out because I'm making so much goddamn cash. I'm here. I'm good. <laughs> just say, yeah, hey, Jalen, just so stop yelling at Doug Marone. Just do your thing. Even if you're mad, just pretend you're not mad just for a week for the love of God, and we'll get you out of there. Okay, if you were the Niners or the Raiders, what would be your level of interest in Jalen Ramsey? Mine would be low. Well, let's just even take a step back. What is the best corner in football, which he is, really young player, an elite talent, an elite talent, what is that guy worth? At least a first-round pick. I'd set a first and a second. Okay. Because I think the bar has been set. Khalil Mack kind of set the bar for a guy late in his contract, right? that you have to pay, but he's so good. You're like, well, he's not under team control anymore. You're like, I don't even care. We'll just extend him, right? You're like, mm-hmm. well, it's going to be a, it's going to be an astronomical amount. We don't care. We'll pay him unless you're Gruden. So that, that costs two first rounders. But what was the big difference between Khalil and Jalen Ramsey? Elite players, one guy's elite character. The other, and I've been arguing with a lot of people on Twitter, you can be a questionable character guy without committing murder, without beating your girlfriend, without getting a DUI. Like, you can just be a pain in the ass. Now, that doesn't mean you're a criminal, but that does mean that teams around the league look at you, quote-unquote, as a character guy. So Jalen Ramsey is a character guy, but he's so fucking good that he kind of he kind of jumps the boundary of that. that is important. So I, I think a one and a two would be the minimum if the Jags are open to trading him, which I don't think they necessarily have to, but they might, if he's demanding it, that they're going to get. They they pr- two ones for him like Laramie Tunzel has been a really good guy like a team captain at Miami, so them getting multiple ones that's not as crazy right? He's closer to Khalil than he is Jalen. Zero problems. Did not ask for a trade. And as Chris Greer, I was watching the press conference yesterday, said when they traded Laramie Tunzel and he walked in the office and he had it written on the board what they got for him. I don't know. I mean, it's almost unbelievable. But I guess Laramie Tunzel told him I would have traded me too for that. <laughs> Do you believe that he said that? Uh, I don't know why you'd say it because then someone could ask him if he yeah. didn't say it, right? Yeah. I, uh, but I but I think that speaks like I, I everyone that I talked to, beside the incident when that came out on draft night, like he's a good guy. People really like him. Like he's really easy to deal with. That is not people are like you know what Jalen is. 
He lifts up a room. You know? No. <laughs> I heard before the season from somebody who knows the Jags well that uh, he wears you problems out. with him. So does that that diminishes value then immediately, right? Yeah, like specifically the Raiders and the Niners. Okay, if I were the 49ers, I would not trade a first and a second for Jalen Ramsey. If I were the Raiders, I wouldn't certainly not do it given everything, given what just happened with Antonio. And I don't, Jalen's not on Antonio's level, but there is no evidence right now that that you're prepared to handle something like that. Okay, we're going to get into the Raiders a little bit later. They're not a good football team. They're not going to win many games. Under no circumstances does it make any sense to trade a lot, which would be like, let's say the Bears pick and some other second round pick or whatever for Jalen Ram. None. When actually their DBs, even though they were getting smoked last week, as we said, they were actually moving pretty well and right around. For the first time in like Raiders history, it's like, God, the DBs kind of know what they're doing. They're just, the Chiefs are just the Chiefs. I would not, the Raiders can't do it, one because it makes no sense for their where their team's at on the direction of where they want to go. And two, it's kind of been reported like Mark Davis can't afford it. This you need part of signing Khalil Mack was having ninety million dollars on hand. Now I don't think you need ninety million. I've been guessing seventy five ish. I think Jalen Ramsey, best young corner in the league. A couple years ago, Odell got sixty five at wide receiver. Wouldn't you be shocked if whoever ends up getting Jalen or if he stays in Jacksonville, whatever happens, when he signs a contract, that number, the guaranteed, is not over, doesn't start with a seven in front of it? You're saying, would I be shocked if it's below that? Yeah. Yes. Because he's that good. So He is that Raiders, good, which is, yeah. here's my thing on the, here, this is what I would say about the Niners. I'm watching a team right now that's got a problem in terms of offensive skill guys outside of Kittle, although maybe Debo's good enough. But more so to me, like, are they going to need to use their first-round pick on a left tackle for 2020 to protect Jimmy Garoppolo? Well, they're definitely, gonna have to, they're definitely going to have to use one of their first couple picks on an offensive lineman. Yeah, so I, I like – I trading for Jalen Ramsey makes it harder to help Jimmy Garoppolo off just protect the guy or whoever you're – I mean, I, <laughs> assuming he's your quarterback in 2020. I just think they still need yeah, that pick. <laughs> yeah, let's pump the brakes on that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and it's pretty clear, you know, oh, guy, free agency, we got money. Well, two things. They got to pay Kittle and divorce Buckner this summer. Kittle, like Buckner actually will get a lot of money, but nowhere near what I think you probably would have thought maybe a year ago. I think he'll probably be like 50, 55, somewhere in there guaranteed. Could you argue that Kittle might get the same? Well, if you, you told kid- the Niners they could only keep one, who would they keep? What, was that even a question? No. Who would you keep? Kittle. <laughs> See a <you>, divorce. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. And I also think that, how about this? You know, I know that there's been a lot of question marks on this individual. And he had deserved those question marks. But Akella Weatherspoon has been one of their better players. He had the pick six in the first game. But it was the pick six was a little bit lucky, right? Jameis just overthrew the screen. But in that game, he broke up multiple plays to Mike Evans, which to me was eye-opening. I mean, Mike Evans is a top five wide receiver in the league. But then he came back in this game, and he had the. Uh, I was rewatching the game yesterday, and mm-hmm. was I always forget the fucker's name. Brenneman is his kid. Tom Brenneman. Tom Brenneman. Marty is the dad. Yeah. So Tom, when he when he gets the pick six and drops it and kicks it, he's like, "What a boneheaded mistake!" And I think we were all kind of thinking it because he thought it was fifteen. Yeah, and then the guy goes in a five yard delay of game. Then he's like, "Oh, that's." Yeah, five yard, not too bad. Because you know, it, it was even, a second and five. It was a first down. Yeah, so it wasn't that terrible. But to me, that play was awesome. And this guy's playing fast. 
you know, there was physical. never any. There was never yeah, fast physical. There was never any question Fanatical. about the That's guys. The, the guy's tools, right? He's six one. He can fly. He's long. It was just he wasn't a great player. Now he again two games. I'm not trying to say this guy's ever going to be Jalen Ramsey, but if you got something already, you don't then double down, right? Part of the reason, like for example, this is a higher level version of it. The Chiefs were like, we have all this money. We're going to pay another defensive lineman beside Chris Jones. We have a guy on our team in D Ford, but we don't think he's worth the money that he wants. So we'll get rid of him, and then we are going to have to trade a one, but we're going to get a guy that we think's worthy of that cash. So, but if they would have thought D Ford was even close to Frank Clark or even worth the money, they wouldn't have done the. They just would have kept the one and used it on something else, either a player or another trade. Like you have to find out if you were going to do Jalen Ramsey. To me, I'd need like six or seven games worth of Akello because I, I might have my starting corner for a while. And like we were talking about earlier in the week, maybe it's just this year with you know eighteen months around Sherm. This guy's starting to. I bet Richard's telling him every day, like, bro, you're fucking. You look like me. Like, what? You should dominate. Like, you you should be an All Pro caliber player because we've seen flashes where. And so you see it with Conley, too. When you get a guy that long and that confident and that explosive and that fast, those guys can just be like, holy shit, you know? Like, I'm, I'm watching the Cowboy game the other day. Josh Norman is the biggest dog going. He just doesn't even try anymore. But one of the big questions on him back in the day is he was never that fast. There was a reason he was a late-round pick because he ran, like a, I think, like a 4'6". Hmm. That was not Witherspoon's deal. Witherspoon could fly. That was when, because during the game against uh, the Bengals, Richard carries John Ross, and Twitter was like, "Holy shit!" I thought Richard was a four-six guy. Well, he is, but he plays fast. You know, it's not if you put John well, Spiel, Ross. Yeah, Spielman's whole thing was, "How does Rich?" I thought that was a great Spielman moment, right? How does Richard Sherman run with this guy? Well, he's smart enough to know where he's going, so he probably gets a step on when he knows he's going to run the go route. And he's probably sneaky, kind of using kind his of hand. Like, yeah, yeah right. but he's but he, that's what you're supposed to do, right? And that's why he's a Hall of Famer. Well, if you're playing with a Hall of Famer, wouldn't it be malpractice if every day Witherspoon for the last 18 months, especially if you're Kyle, like every meeting or Sala, you sit next to this guy, you follow him around everywhere he goes. Like I wanted to get to the point where Richard goes, leave me alone. That's yeah. what you should be doing. You should ask Richard guy, Sherman to be your agent. <laughs> yeah, literally, right. <laughs> Because at the end of the day, like Richard, be like sucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he signs the first contract. It's, you know, he only signed for ten million guaranteed, but it was actually a sixty million dollar guarantee. But the other fifty goes to the agent. <laughs> Do you agree though? Just when you just physically look at the guy, yeah. the tools are there to be a really good player. Yep, and that's why I think a guy like Akello, even when he sucked last year, you keep working with it. And the other part of this is, look, you guys, you, I'm, ideally you'd have a phenomenal pass rush and lockdown corners, but in theory this pass rush, which looks pretty good, should be helping your corners. So if you're going to spend a lot of money on your pass rush, maybe you can afford to maybe some of that money in theory, like you're spending it on the pass rush, and that helps those guys help pay for your secondary as well. If, if I said through two games, how, how would you describe the – like what are what's the 49ers' identity? It's, 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 it's defense. defense. It's it's – Quan Alexander flying around and eight guys rotating in on the defensive line, chasing the quarterback and good enough, co- you know, like aggressive coverage, I would say. Well, that's why when you read the teams, when people are like the Niners should give a one, <clears throat> to me, the big risk is you're not good enough to know that you're just a lock winning team yet. <laughs> that, you're, that, so, that, not, that that is not the 10th pick or something. 
Yeah. Because that would, what if all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, we're 6 and 10. And we have Jalen Ramsey. And you're like, well, we still got Jalen Ramsey. But you're like, fuck, if we could do that all over again. And two, when you look at the teams that kind of need them, like everyone's talking about who was going after Minka and who was going after Jalen. It was like Seattle, Kansas City, Philly. Well, Seattle's corners are just aren't that good. Like they're giving up a lot of plays. Kansas City, that's the weakness of their team. And same with Philly. But all three of those teams know one thing. We're going to be good because we're just good. We just win. Kansas City's a lock to be good. The other two teams, at the when the dust settles, worst case scenario for both the two teams, even though, did you see the Eagles canceled practice today? They canceled practice on a Wednesday, which is unheard of. They just don't have the bodies. Like, they are so injured. They Do you know the game against Atlanta? In warm-ups, Alshon, I guess Alshon played a series, but he was kind of fucked up. He's like, I, I'm in trouble. Deshaun and Dallas Goddard, the tight end, all went out in warm-ups. Wow. What, so was, starting the, wide what was the Ertz uh, injury that he came back? But, like, they were like, he's not, they're not actually going to throw him the ball. But then they did. Yeah, I mean, they, they almost they were fought in, for that first down. They were in major trouble. So that, that he was out, when, I thought, John, and then he came in at the very end. What Ertz out? Yeah, because they were they were like, well, at minimum, Collinsworth was like, uh, or well, they just or, didn't have the body. They didn't they have like, anymore. well, he's he he'll just be a decoy out here. Yeah, I'm sure Wait, that's no, that was Sunday night. Yeah, Collinsworth. Yeah, I well, imagine if they only have two tight ends on their team. So if you don't have two, how do you even practice? You know, if you all your receivers are gone and all your tight like you can't run a practice. That's pretty crazy. That's I've never seen that before. That is wild. In like the ten plus years I've really been monitoring this shit, that, but back to the Niners, like those other teams are more desperate for that position now. And again, I, I'm prefacing by saying this: I'm assuming that Akello can keep this up, and there's a chance that he can't. Like that's I'm I'm acknowledging that this might be a short term deal, but I, I have to let it play out because that's what good teams do. They some guys don't. We always think, you know, the guy just figures it out in the second year, right? That was always the big thing. You know, the biggest jump you make, year one to year two. Well, some guys take their jump year two to year three, right? Some guys take their jump year one. But some guys, and some guys never do. But I I think we often think, like, some guys just, it hits for them in year three or year four. I I think the Eagles example would be Nelson Aguilar. The first couple years, people thought Nelson Aguilar sucked. And by, like, year four, Nelson Aguilar is a pretty good player. And now he, I mean, in that game, he was their best wide receiver because he had to be. But he's just a high functional, like he's a legitimate NFL starter. So I, I just think you have to let it play out. And you're not in a position as a team yet. To me, when you do, when you swing on stuff like that and your team's not ready and it goes the wrong way, you get Antonio Brown and the Raiders. It can have grave consequences. So I, I, I think that's why it's just not even an option. I would not do it. Yeah, we agree. Onto the Niners game where they are favored against uh, the Tommy Johnless Pittsburgh Steelers. Is that what he got? Oh, I don't know. I've just I've been calling it that. I've assumed that's what he got. I've just been saying Doctor Neil L. Altrash, the guy who does all the uh, Gi- I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it, but the guy who does all the Giants surgeries, San Francisco Giants surgeries. Um, Niners is that, are. Is that who Roethlisberger's going to? No, I don't know. I just. Doesn't Dr. Does Dr. James Andrews do elbows too and knees? Oh, yeah. Just knees. Yeah, he does it all. He's got the market corner. You got a hangnail? I'm in. Just $75,000. Just pay my, yeah, pay my, my private jet fee. Come to me. Um, Niners are big favorites against the Steelers. Well, we got to talk about D. Ford and Bosa and Jimmy G, all that. But 
Weird position for the Niners to be in. Uh, granted, they've won two road games, John. Is it that crazy that, they, that they're favored against the Steelers minus Ben at home? Uh, uh, um, I, I think it's a little nuts, but I do get – I mean, Vegas naturally just gives, you know, the team with the backup quarterback who's never played – puts them at a huge disadvantage in terms of a line. But I'll say this, just watching Mason Rudolph in the game against Seattle, when he came in off the pine, he was 12-19 and 19 for over 100 yards. He threw two touchdowns, and he just was serviceable. The Pittsburgh Steelers have a weird team. You know, obviously Juju. Do you know who their second-best wide receiver is? Vance fucking McDonald, who is just pretty good. Like, Balky's like, you guys thought I was an idiot. I told you. Mike Ditka. Johnny Vance, Holt. What are Vance's numbers this year? I mean, he had two touchdowns the other night. Vance Joseph, or excuse me, Vance McDonald. God, you, Vance Joseph just on your mind all the time. He has 11 right. targets, 9 catches, 78 yards, and multiple touchdowns. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's been two, two he catches t- for no touchdowns against New England, but okay. But that in fairness, no, they lost 30-3. to three. Yeah, Vance so is throw that game around. I'm okay. just saying, he, he's a legitimate weapon. Yeah. Juju's good. James Conner's banged up, but he claimed he's playing. You know who their deep threat is on the Steelers? Johnny Holton is their deep threat. So their their team's a little weird. You know, it's not someone DM me the other day and like, do you like this comp Middlecoff? And they said that Big Ben, Bell, and A B are the OKC Thunder of the NFL. Like what should have been, what could have been. Mm. I'm like, well, I started thinking, well, Kevin has a couple of rings. I'm like, well, so does Ben. So but you should have won with those two guys at least one. But Kevin's rings down. came later in a different place. Ben it doesn't parallel each other. Yeah. But you know, it, it does. Like It's going to feel like they had like a three-year run where all three guys were humming. That It's one of the great tandems. I mean, just look how good those guys are individually, especially the two, the wide receiver and the, and the running back. They're not really like that. They're much more of a normal team. To me, the question I have, guys, is defense. Like, how do the Niners... The Steelers were second in the league, or excuse me, tied last year in the, for league lead in sacks. Like, they rushed the shit out of the passer. I think T.J. Watt's better than J.J. right now. They got Stephon Tuitt, the dude from Notre Dame, who's been on the yeah. team for a couple years, who's pretty good. Uh, the dude, they, they traded up to draft uh, Harbaugh's guy, Bush, who makes plays. Now they got Minka Fitzpatrick. Like, their defense, Joe Hayden's not great, but, I mean, he's a functional corner. It's not like the Niners are rolling out Julio. I, I just... How do they stop the pass rush? And I think the answer is you just have to run it. I, I think the game plan has to be very similar to Cincy. You just run it down their throat, control the clock, and you got to run it on them. Because the, the Seattle did a little bit. With, I mean, Chris Carson's a really good player, but I don't know. I th- This game to me, trap game, like the Niners don't play. You, you, you're not the San Francisco 49ers in 2019. You don't get to play in trap games. Like that's something the Chiefs play in trap games. New England I, plays I just, in trap I don't games. Know, if you play in the NFL, how could you look across the field at the Pittsburgh Steelers and convince your, and not convince well, yourself it's a big be, game? Because the only thing is like their star quarterbacks out. Like that's how I guess well, in I, theory. I know. I'm just saying, like you step on the field against USC when they're five and seven or five and six. Like you're still stepping on. You, I just think if you're a player, like let's. I know that. Like that's that's when the, when those guys are on the field, it matters. Like Why, when these I guys are on this, the field, it matters. From a gambling standpoint. I'm probably not going to touch this game, but I would it? not. It's six and a half. I wouldn't feel confident the Niners are just going to win a game by six and a half points against a very functional organization who you could say that the Steelers got more on the line right now, right? You start 0 3, 
you're in big trouble. Because mm. they're already, win or lose for the Ravens, if the Steelers do lose, they're behind the Ravens two games. So they're, like, that's kind of a sneaky big swing for them. It's hard to make up two games in the NFL, especially if you split with the Ravens. Because if you just split with them, you don't gain or lose a game. So if you're them, I'd have to look on the schedule, but... Of all the teams that I think we thought was going to be really good, now it changed once Big Ben has Tommy John. There can't be a more must-win situation for the Steelers just to keep their life a lot, you know, just head above water. You start 0-3, you know, we've seen the stats a million times. Like, I got news for you. Last year, the Indianapolis Colts started 0-5 and make the playoffs. That's, a, that's an all-time outlier situation. I mean, you're counting the Jags out already, right? They could be 0-3, but you... But I but I'd say their division is might be a little shittier. Like the, to me, the Ravens are probably a lock to win ten games at this rate, and I, I don't feel totally confident about that because we got to see Lamar play against good teams. But I like I, I got to give tip my hat to Lamar, and the Ravens are just good. I, I just like the the Broncos. You, you just start zero and three. You're just more than likely you're going to be six and ten, seven and nine at best. Right. right. Especially because here's the other kicker for the Steelers. They're playing with their backup quarterback. So th- there's a chance that that swings you a couple games, even if Mason's solid. Like part of being a good team, winning 10 and 11 games, means you're making big plays in the fourth quarter. Like that's just it's hard. I mean, it's hard for Ben to do. It's hard for Rodgers to do, let alone Mason Rudolph, who's probably swimming a little bit right now. Right. That's just a lot. It's, it's why I always struggle to judge, like, good or bad, a guy off the pine. I give you more credit if you look functional. Like, you just come in mid-game because your quarterback breaks his arm. Like Luke Tommy Falk. John. Yeah, it's just, like, okay, that is a tough situation. Luke is even a different situation because they were already fucked. Like, when you're the third-string guy and you're up behind the second, like, I don't even judge you. I'm saying I, I thought he looked really good. I thought he looked better than Simeon, but he's probably a better player than Simeon. But I'm saying, like, when you're, like, Teddy Bridgewater, for example... I thought it looked pretty terrible, but I I, I can't put much stock into it because Teddy has to think I'm never going to play a snap. I know you're like you got to be a pro, you always got to be ready. We're like, yeah, Drew Brees doesn't miss games, so why? You know, it's, I'm ready, but kind of ready. Plus, Drew's over there sending you weird vibes. It, exactly. Why is this guy looking at me so funny? Why, why is this guy getting an MRI? Why is he staring at me? You know? Why is he flexing and won't talk? <laughs> Sean Payton's like, get the fuck out of here. Um, uh. I, I I I'll be honest. So, I don't feel I don't feel great for the Niners this week. It feels like a game where the Steelers, like an organizational type game. So you're with me. Uh, you rewatched the Niner game and thought again what you thought after we talked about it. Immediate reaction Sunday. Jimmy Garoppolo was fine. I've seen a lot of Jimmy is back stuff, and I haven't understood it this week on Twitter. I thought he was fine, but he was fine. It's not back to being a guy where, I mean, let's just give it, and I'm giving him time. This is crazy that I'm now I'm the bad guy, but he was fine. Let's just, let's, let's watch it play out here. I got someone a text tweeted from, at us. I, oh, go ahead. Well, I got a text like, God, Haberman's down on Jimmy. No, you did not. I swear to God, Scotty Raver. <laughs> and I said, well, after rewatching it in the first half, Jimmy didn't have to do that much. He, he he's like he threw two touchdowns. I'm not saying Scott said that, but I'm just saying people would say that. Come well, on, Scotty. Well, one was a throwback to a wide receiver, like you said before the pod. He did underthrow, but to me, that is an underthrowable ball because you cannot incomplete it. You don't 
you'd like to score a touchdown on that play, but under no circumstances can you overthrow that ball, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you agree with that? Yes. The other touchdown, do you know what it came on? A fucking screen to Mozart. Yeah. I which I, I'm going to call, we're going to call him Mozart on this show. And if you watch that screen, there are about three Bengals all looking at him after he gets about 15 steps going. And they're like, should we tackle this guy? Should we not? And Mozart's like, I'm just going to keep running, you dumb fucks. And he just ran right through him and walked <laughs> into the end zone. And, and again, most of the first half, they were just running the ball down their throat. You're right. Jimmy was not picking them apart. That wasn't the to game. To me, look, the game was a Shanahan game, and the game was Jimmy was solid. But I just don't understand how you can watch that game and pretend like he didn't go false start interception on back-to-back plays. And I'm not even trying to kill him for it. I'm just saying we just try to be really fair. We are two people who have been all – we were – I was all in on paying Jimmy. I, I was all in on Jimmy has a release like Tom Brady. Like, I'm, I'm in on Jimmy. I'm, I'm all in on – I don't want to see Nick Mullins. Like, Jimmy deserves to just play the whole season. All that kind of stuff. But – I just I'm gonna I'm watching every game going where are the plays he's making and I, I used it on the last pod and I'll use it again. Tell me the plays that are above replacement level, right? To use like the base. Where are the above replacement level plays? Like you watch a Wentz or a Mahomes play, you go that's an elite play, right? You just watch an individual play when they're humming, you're like whoa. And I would say Jimmy has not really done that through the first two weeks. Doesn't that's mean all, he that's won't. That's all I'm saying. I, I heard Scotty, another stat guy. I'll get an interesting stat for you. I don't know if it's first in the league. But I know it's really high up there. It might He might have been through two weeks. It kind of feels like Tom Brady. But again, you don't have to fact check me on this. Okay, He's been hit the least amount of times in the NFL through two weeks. It's a total of three times. Wow, and I don't good. mean sacked. I mean touched. Good. So that could change because Joe Staley has a shattered fibula. Well, a hairline fracture. Not a compound. Hairline. Uh, it might not even be shattered. It could just be a slight break. But he's out. And they have a four-string offensive tackle starting against a team that, again, tied for the league lead in sacks last year. By the way, you wrote about this in the Athletic on Wednesday. You want to give us a quick breakdown? Well, I just you talked to you people know, this, around the league. Yeah, everyone had him right where the Niners took him, six seventh, undrafted free agent. He's six foot seven. He's three hundred twenty pounds. He's a three-year starter at Vanderbilt. And the one thing you talk with those guys, well, you know, he's playing the biggest games in the country, right? He's playing at Alabama. He's playing at Florida. He's playing at Georgia. He's playing at LSU. Like, he's playing these guys. He starts against them. And he's big, tough, smart as shit. Uh, the problem is he's just he's a sixth, seventh rounder for a reason. He's not super athletic. He's not super powerful. He doesn't do anything great. So he's going to have to hang his hat on just being a tough SOB, which he is. Like, I got, you know, classic scout line. He's got A-plus toughness. You know, he just, he's not on the ground that often. He'll go to war for you. I'm like, well, what's his negatives? Well, he's just not really that good at anything. <laughs> you know, there's just there's a reason he went in the sixth round. Like even the Niners would tell you. And I, this is one thing I wrote in the NFL. You see a lot of un, like late round picks and undrafted free agents start right at running back, even sometimes at like a wide receiver, defensive tackle. You'll see like a six round center or guard, uh, maybe a, the occasional like slot corner, maybe a linebacker. You, it's very rare on a good team. Oh, yeah, our left tackle starting a rookie, seventh rounder, right? <laughs> I would say I thought about it yesterday. Consistently the greatest drop-off in sports is definitely your quarterback. There's probably nothing like a quarterback, right? Starting quarterback to your backup is typically the biggest of any position in any sport. Just it's 
you could argue that the drop-off between like a good starting left tackle and just the guy that typically replaces him tends to be pretty massive. Right? Yeah. It's typically a problem for teams. Yeah. I, well, I was just trying to think. Like, It's not like this. I would say like your starting catcher to your backup catcher. Not on the Giants, though. It's generally a big drop-off. Much better. Um, but, yeah. You're like no, that's Kevin a good Durant call. to the next guy. I mean, obviously the NBA players. But I'd argue the NBA stars are the quarterbacks. Like, that's just their parallel. So if you're a top 10 NBA player and you go out and then your replacement comes in, that you're just an NFL player. You're an NFL quarterback. Now, the scary thing is, is you're playing a game. And again, that the one thing, I remember Phil Savage told me this. He's like, I remember the first time when I started working in the NFL, even in like Baltimore, He's like, we'd have guys that would be so nervous before kickoff, especially in the preseason, like our first-round pick. And I'd look at him, I'd be like, you're from LSU. You've been a three-year starter. This game doesn't hold a candle to 15 of the games you've played it in your life. doesn't hold a candle. And you could argue, now you're playing your first NFL game. I was thinking when I was writing the piece how cool it's got to be for this guy's family, like his mom, dad, grandpa, brothers, cousins. Like this has got to be a sweet moment. The guy is starting an NFL game. He went from starter in the SEC to like, you know, I think I might get drafted. Then he gets drafted. But it's like, hey, mom, dad, I'm a six-round pick. I'm going to have to fucking work my ass off to make the team, right? I would imagine when his agent's telling him and Kyle's telling him, you got to work hard, John Lynch. If you if you put on good tape, you got a chance to make this team. That's the message in like May. And you get a training camp. Pads come on. Like, hey, Justin Skull, you're going to make the team, but you got to work for it. Then he makes the team, which is an enormous accomplishment, right? Just on the accomplishments of anyone in sports history, uh, just a, on a pretty basic level of like, I made an NFL roster as a rookie. Like that's, and I wasn't a high pick. That's incredible. Then two weeks later, he's a starting left tackle. That's pretty crazy. That's, that is pretty, yeah. And then your first start, well, it's like, oh, we're playing the Jets or something. No, you're playing the team that arguably has one of the best pass rushes in the NFL. You're like, oh, shit. Because I was thinking about him yesterday well, or the last couple days. Like, once you, your nerves start going, you're like, I, this is going to be a test. Now, I've played in probably maybe louder environments at Tuscaloosa or at Baton Rouge or some of these games. But the the pressure I'm putting on myself, this might be as big of a start as since I maybe became a first-time starter in the SEC, right? Well, then this is another Kyle game, right? Like, can you figure out, is Kittle there? How do you help this guy protect Jimmy? The problem with, I mean, you could just have Kittle stay there the whole time, which yeah. it would probably, it would neutralize who's ever rushing there. It would help. I mean, Kittle might be a better blocker than this guy. But who would you say is your biggest threat on offense is that guy. Yeah. Well, once you know my favorite play, maybe one of my favorite plays in football is the tight end pretends to block, falls down, and gets up, runs down the middle of the field untouched. Usually crosses the formation like from right to left. It's usually how that goes. Blocks, falls down, right side of the formation, runs across the field, is wide open down the left hash. See, that's my that favorite. Play. That's my favorite like goal line play action play where he goes like this. Jason Witten does it, but he's so slow. The guy figures it out like five seconds too late, and he still almost catches him. To me, it's not goal line. It's like at the twenty-five. It's like at the twenty twenty-five because it's usually a big play. Yeah, you're right though. It does happen on the goal line too. And not, the goal line, you don't necessarily fall down. You don't have the time, but you do like the fake. I'm gonna, I'm gonna slam you, but I, yeah. I barely even touch it, and then I turn <laughs> and run. But the play's always screwed when the quarterback, like in the fall down play, 
he's kind of behind the line of scrimmage and he's looking that if you're not there, he can just scramble around and throw it away. In the goal line, there's usually a guy blitzing or something. It can get fucked up fast if that guy's covered. Like the play's over if the guy's covered. But yeah, I mean, it's... I thought it was the Kyle's best game as a 49er coach Sunday against the Bengals. And the problem with that is, well, it was Sunday against the Bengals, right? We know he can call plays. It just gets harder the better players you're yeah. playing against. Yeah. Well, to recap, I like I still like Jimmy. I like him fine. I haven't really changed my opinion on him. I think we both took a step back after the preseason and just said, let's just let's watch this play out. Then the Mike Silver report about, hey, you know, they like Nick Mullins. So all I'm saying is, like, th- this was not the week he proved anything. What do you think about, because I, I think there's two angles to the Steelers trading for Minka Fitzpatrick, which was kind of eye-opening, I think, to most. Like, wow, the Steelers did that after Ben goes down? And I, I, I'm on both sides. I, I do think it's a little reckless because the risk of just being a shitty season with your starting quarterback out can have huge implications if you end up drafting, like, six overall. Because you just traded for a guy that was drafted 12th overall, who's already, you know, by the time you get that draft pick that you don't have anymore, is two years into his five-year contract. But you like the guy. I'm sure this, I would imagine the Steelers would tell you, listen, guys, we weren't drafting anywhere near the top 10. We had this guy as the fifth best player in that draft or something. That's probably why they feel comfortable. And I do admire that they just go, we're not losers. We don't think like that. that see, now that's the part I like the most is that. I do wonder, though. like Because that is your... how they think, right? That's how right. they justify it. Do you guys love your quarterback? Well, yeah. Somewhat, people kept tweeting at me and texting me that they had talked a couple years ago when they drafted him that they had a first-round grade on him because the year before they had drafted Joshua Dobbs. Like, they weren't in the quarterback market. He just fell to the third round. And I'd be like, well, guys, you fell to the third round for a reason. Most people didn't have first-round grades on him. If they... Remember we watched him at the Senior Bowl? He's like a really good-looking guy. I mean, he's impressive in the interview. I... You just go from that system, you know, there's only really been one quarterback and he was 30 years old and he was a failure. But but in fairness to Mason Rudolph, like he was not a first round pick. Like he was a third round pick, right? So he's, he already I, came well, in. Yeah, at, all I'm saying is if they really like him, then you can part with your first round pick. But you might need that pick if you don't really like him for a quarterback next if year. You had to, if you had to guess as we sit here on September 18th what the Pittsburgh Steelers record is at the end of the season, what would you guess? Uh... What are they right now? 0-2? Oh, yeah. I, mean, I think they, they do have a stretch in like two weeks where they play like six or ten games straight at home. Like to they, me, if, it, if, they can, if they somehow get to seven wins, I would say like Mike Tomlin should get a contract extension. I'd be pretty impressed. Because it does feel it's more likely that they end up 5-11 and 11 than 9-7, and seven, right? Yeah, because, John, actually that's crazy because seven wins means they're a 500 team the rest of the way. You're saying that they would go – how many games they got left? Well, they're 0-2, so they'd, they'd have to they'd go 7-7. They'd seven be 7-7, seven. Seven seven. yeah. So it's really – even 6-10 and ten feels like that'd be pretty impressive. Because if you're 7-7, seven and seven, you start telling yourself, Mason Rudolph might be our long-term answer. Right? right, and then you go, yeah, that's why we got Minka. And you're right, at the end of the day, like, I don't – If they go 7-7, seven and seven, Minka Fitzpatrick was worth it. Well, they they operated like teams that are that are like competing for the Super Bowl every year. Like we don't need our first because it's not gonna it's not gonna be in the top. Well, 25. you know the do you know that it came down to three teams? I heard Seattle, Kansas City, and them. Like you would argue, why and after Ben goes down, why are they involved? And you're like, what's that? Like why would the Steelers be in that? Oh mix? yeah, well it's like it's one of those things. Like one of you guys is not like the other, and the Steelers like yeah, I don't I don't know talk to them. <laughs> Which and, one and of them? Kansas City. When have you won a Super Bowl? That's what they would say. 
And that's why I think their fucking fans walk. That's one. It's why every time that they come anywhere, they tend to have the most fans in the building. Like, they're a big boy for a reason. And that's how they think. That's how they operate. And look, time will tell. If, if eight years from now we're looking back and the Steelers are still looking for Ben Roethlisberger's replacement, then... Remember, remember the legendary McCarthy quote a couple years ago when they're like, you know, can you take any positives about being eight and eight? And he was pissed off. This was before we yeah. knew that he was going to get fired the next year. He said, no. He said, we're the Green Bay freaking Packers. And, you know, like, I, I'm sorry, like, Raider fan, you're going to get mad. Like, Raider fan, uh, Niner fan can't talk like that anymore. You know, it's just, there's only a select teams that can really kind of carry themselves. Like, no. Right? Is uh, is Minka playing this week? Did I see that he is? Yeah, 100%. I would yeah. imagine he's playing. Just cornerback. Just go run around with that guy. Would it be pretty legendary if Jalen played Thursday night? Traded Friday and then played for a team Sunday. So what he has to be he has to be on the roster by Saturday to play yeah. Sunday. Could that be done? I don't know. Would that be? Remember, like the two days of Dion when he goes to two games. He would plays that, like. Would you give him credit two games yes. in three days? If Jalen plays like seventeen games in the regular season, but it, but it actually be because he played Sunday, played Thursday, then plays against Sunday, played three games in seven days. Would that be an NFL record? <laughs> Yeah, it would have to be. <laughs> That'd be legendary. That that would up his uh, his status in in, uh, in league circles. In if I were him, and that happened, I would. If I got traded Friday, I would do everything I could to play Sunday. Even if it was just like, give me a couple packages. I'll you know be your nickel corner for the week, but make me a fucking legend. What if he had a pick six in the game Sunday? What if he had two pick sixes, a pick six uh, Thursday night, and then a pick six Sunday? Uh, John, this podcast is brought to you by Seat. Geek. My sister went and saw John Mayer at Chase Center the other day. She used the promo code HAM. $10 off her John Mayer ticket when she used the promo code HAM on the Seat Geek app. It pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web. we got games all over the place as well. Rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10. Big green dot, good value. Little red dot, bad value. Very easy. Got John Mayer, I think he was at Golden 1 Center then last night, so he's yeah, making he was. rounds. Uh, you know, it just <clears throat> you download the app guy. It rates every seat on a scale of 1 to 10. You're able to see what kind of deal you're getting. You're also able to, because the app is just so user-friendly, to be able to see exactly where you're sitting. Remember back in the day, like when you'd order tickets, like, where I have to Google the, 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 the stadium. Like, where am right. I sitting? This one, it literally pops up. You click on it. You see where the seat is inside the stadium. It doesn't get any easier. Download the app. Promo code HAM, $10 off. If you're not doing it, you're crazy. Go to an event, be social, get out of the house, and go see something. Spend that hard-earned money, guy. Don't just hoard it. Little peek at the uh, App Store. Over 50,000 five-star reviews. So Ooh. high, high level of customer satisfaction. We've been using SeedGeek forever. Niner games, Raider games, A's games, final games for Bochi. Uh, that's coming up. All that. And concerts. College football. On and on and on and she on. She said John Mayer was good. Loved it. Loved it. He has to be pretty sweet. She said he did 24 songs. Gosh darn. That's a lot of of singing. A lot of singing. A lot of jamming. A lot of jamming. She said the reason it went on, I think the concert went from 7.30 to 11. She said because every song he would do this like extended guitar solo. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you? You Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) It's like asking like, hey, uh. Hey, Rory, you want to hit another driver? Uh, yeah, why not? You know? It's like, Steph, uh, three-point three point contest, Clay? Or, yeah, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. That's pretty awesome. All right, John, Raiders. Um, now, people say they're leaving town after the season, although you could argue they're going to be gone for the next six weeks, not counting their bye. Did you see Bob Melvin the other day? 
Uh, he said, good riddance. Well, they asked him about the dirt, and he was like, well, are we sure they're going to be gone for next year? Like, is that... Oh, Bob or... Melvin taking shots! Bob Melvin throwing darts. You know, in fairness, I had this thought. The A's just keep winning, keep winning. I mean, they're headed toward another... I mean, how many games are they going to win this year? 96, 97 again. They won 97 last year. If I was... And I know Mark said it was about the management. Like, Mark, I don't know if you get to make fun of the A's. Like, they, for the last 20 years, have been fucking winning. They had a movie made about them. They've kind of been the standard to all these people in sports. There, there was an article recently about this guy that I used to work with in Philly, Alec Hallaby from Harvard. Mm. He, he's like Howie's right-hand guy with the Eagles. And I remember back when I first got there, he'd, he loved the A's, right? Loved Moneyball. That was like his inspiration. Like they mm. created, and he's probably be a GM one day in the, uh, in the NFL. The Minnesota Twins guy that went to Harvard with Alec was quoted in the story, like, even for a Harvard guy, this guy's smart. Like, what what the A's created in sports, I don't know if the Raiders ever get to say any fucking thing about them. They got their own problems, the A's, but when you win a lot, like, Mark, let's just, you, you average, like, four wins a year, my man. Like, let's just keep your mouth shut to well, me. Well, and they are in a, in a danger zone here just because they're 0-2, and this stretch that they're on now, John, is they don't, the reason that they know that they're not going to play on the dirt again is because they don't play at home until after the World Series. They don't play at home until after the beginning of November, after Christmas. After, like you told me, the NBA season will be three weeks old by the time the Raiders are home again. Isn't that pretty crazy? I mean, it it's has insane. to be. I, I think I did read when the, November se- 3rd. When the, when the uh, schedule came out that days-wise, like whatever the number is, like 48 or 52 or whatever, it's crazy is the longest stretch in, like, NFL history. For for something like, no, I'm, like, stadium blew up or something, we, you know, just, like, a yeah. legit on-the-schedule. Home game in gone. London. Like, the odds are just stacked against – this is not a bash. The, uh, the odds are stacked against this team now if they don't start winning games. But to me, it's not just – it'd be one thing. You know, they're on the road in Jacksonville, then they're on the road in Miami. You'd be like, well, they can get some wins. Guy, it's week three. They're already an eight-and-a-half-point underdog to a team that's one-and-one. And that's why I think when we talk about, like, God, these Miami Dolphin lines. See, the Jets are at uh, the Patriots this week. It's, like, 19 points. Like, those are extremes. Because typically, like, eight, nine points in the NFL early in the season for just credible, you know, functional teams is a lot. And eight and a half, to me, it's like, God, Vegas thinks you're going to get your ass kicked. And Minnesota is one of the better teams in the league. But then it's just, so you don't meet Minnesota. You're one and two. You're going to go beat one of the best coaches and just a solid team. At Indy, no, you're one and three. You're going to beat the Bears on the road. I, I just I don't see how you score against that defense in London when they have a much shorter road to uh, travel. So you're, I mean, you're, and then you play the Packers. Like to me, before you blink, you can be one and six. And the big thing I thought about: most people are out of the Raiders business because they pay, takes you out of business. You know, I, I know Raider fans don't like to hear this, but there aren't as many fans numbers wise. Even though they claim to be national, they actually don't like really consume as much as you actually think and we like talking about it I enjoy watching Derek play but I'm not into the watching another 3-13 and season and there's a chance when you come back to Oakland by early November you got one or two wins and you are irrelevant on the national landscape like you could argue the Dolphins will be more relevant because they'll be like chasing this history of being the worst team ever like I would imagine when we get to like mid-November the Dolphins point differential is like already taking a record, right? It's like, oh my God, are they going to have a point differential of like 700 points? 
I mean, I think they're already at 90 through week two. So you just say the, the trajectory they're on. You would say the one thing is the Bills and Jets don't really score a lot. So they got those couple games. But I, I just, there is a pretty strong chance, guy. You're talking about a Raiders team heading to Vegas two straight years of like eight total wins. As someone DM'd me the other day, don't forget, Jim Tom Sula has as many wins since 2015 as John Gruden. Like this John Gruden experience, it, 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 that was a joke, but you get my drift. Was that like, Scotty Raber too? No, this was just some guy on Twitter. <laughs> this, the Raiders are kind of a, had it, have a chance. Like I, I'm rooting for them to win this week so they're relevant. Because if, if they start getting blown out, I got news for you. Like I'd rather talk about Mahomes with you guys than just about them being two and nine. Like I just, I, I can't do it. That's all we seem to do for year after year after year with these guys. And oh, everything's going to change in Vegas. Everything's going to change in Vegas. Bullshit. You know, nothing ever changes with these guys. And you could argue, it's like Dan Snyder. As long as you have bad ownership, you consistently get the same thing. Like you could argue that one thing I see with Gruden that's pretty evident is that he's really good early in games. Do you notice that? Like, the first couple drives, like, God, he scripted these things. He's staying up all night. It's like, boom, boom, boom. They score a lot on first drives. At minimum, get field goals. They move the ball. And then consistently, guy, and, this, and part of this might be on Derek. I, I I don't pretend to, like, know exactly all the play calls or anything. But it does not look the same in the second half when he's playing good coaches. Then they adjust. And the Raiders just stall. And they just start going three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. And there's nothing worse in just on the eyes than watching three and out football. Whether it's the Patriots or whether it's the Raiders. It's just, it's hard on the, it's just a bad watch. It's like, you always say, like, you watch a baseball team that can't hit, it's hard watch. You watch an, you well, watch yeah, football teams. The baseball teams thing that, is, it looks like they're not trying when you can't Yeah, hit. it looks like they're not trying. But when you're going three and out, it kind of looks like you're not trying too. When the ball's just not moving, right? You're just throwing incompletions. You're getting stuffed on runs. It's like, it, it does it's a little different in football. It feels like they don't know what they're doing. Like, do you guys not know how to get a first down? We don't well, everyone, need everyone. When you start going three and out, everybody becomes an offensive coordinator in the yes. crowd. God damn it, what are you doing running this play? The, the zone stretch is not working, Gruden. Yeah, exactly. But I, if, do, you, do you see a win? In the, do you think it would be – I mean, it's going to be an upset for Vegas guy if they get a win in the next three or four games because they are – Well, the question – that's well, you're getting at the question here. Which well, is, the, are they going to uh, be less than a touchdown underdog in any of their next five games? Okay, let's say they lose this week by 10 points. Let's say they lose like 30 to 20, which actually I'd say would be a positive. He scored 20 points on the road against Minnesota. So I'm giving them a little you know, buffer here. Hold on. You, you say what you're going to say. The rest of us will decide if you're giving them a gift or not. Okay, 30 to 20, <laughs> they lose to Minnesota. Okay. But they're down like 20 to nothing at half. Kind of feels like an ass whooping. Well, At no, the they Col- come out, they score first. At the Colts, what's the line if they lose by 10 at Minnesota? And in Indianapolis, who do they play this week? They they play uh, they play Atlanta. They play Atlanta. So let's say they're coming off a loss, or should we? I think we should say they're coming off a loss in this scenario. Well, they are playing, but I think they're the game's are in Indy, guy. Short week for Indiana. I mean, yes, uh, Atlanta, kinda. Yes. Yeah, see, they started two games on the road. They're one and one, and now they got two straight games at home. So I think they're thinking like we'll be three and one. Well, to the me, then let's say they if in, if if the Colts lose a close game, to me they're is there anything better in football than doing this? I mean, everyone no. does it nonstop. It, it, no one does this in any other sport. Well, college, it's not even possible. you do it in college football too. I'm, yeah, but I'm saying beside game. football, unless it's like a playoff series in the NBA or baseball where you're getting Syndergaard tonight, maybe we get the, you doing football constantly. Yes, I mean it's just the way the sport is talked about and consumed. 
which is um, awesome. I, I love it. Don't get me. I mean, I I can't get enough of it. So to me, at at minimum, it's a at minimum, it's like a four and a half point. If yeah, Indy see, plays see, to me, well, it probably wouldn't be eight and a half, but I think it would be like five and a half, six. Because Indy is well, if Indy, to me, if Indy game. loses and just plays well against Atlanta, it's at minimum four and a half. Okay, but you're saying it's five and a half. Uh, if Indianapolis wins, then it's yeah, it could just be the same seven, thing, right? Seven and a half. Yeah. Okay. I would say the only way it would be even close to like three and a half, four would be they got their ass kicked, right? And you're like, maybe the Colts aren't that good. Chicago and London, you know, are they scoring points? That's the question. Like, is they're thirty. They're, third, the they're thirty-first on offense right now. That's what I hear, John. So uh, it's been a struggle. But the one thing you'd say is, would you predict the Raiders to score fourteen points against the Bears defense? Well, what they do last year? I don't. They didn't play them. They didn't. The Bears. Yeah. No. Uh, no, I would not. So oh, I give them four. They can score fourteen. Nah, in, in London. I mean, last time they went to London, it was pretty ugly. All right, then they come home. They have a bye. Then they go like is by week seven. Is Mike Pettin already the defensive coordinator of the year or whatever that award is? Do they come home or do they just stay over to London and they go to Green Bay? Maybe they go to Youngstown. <laughs> I don't know. It's a good good point. Well, no, yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of hotel rooms. This stretch is insane. At Green Bay, then at this the is Texans. Stupid. This is like. This is unfair to them, even with the even with the London game, which is because it's them. Um, but this is crazy. To Didn't me, this to is where if you're a Raider fan, that you, I I I would expect you to just hate your owner because he just consistently screws you and forces you every time. You're like kind of getting excited because you naturally get excited in football season. It's just it's just human nature. I heard Chris Long, his podcast. He does one with Rosillo. That's pretty good. He's like, it's impossible. Every team I've been on. From the Patriots to the shittiest St. Louis Rams teams, you're always feeling good in training camp. And your fans are. It's just impo- it's human nature. You're like, God, I think we're fucking pretty good here. You see that practice we just had? You're like, and the fans are like, I think we got a chance to make the play. It's just every team he's ever been on, just like every team you've ever been a fan on, even the worst case scenario, you're like, God, I think we could be competitive. And then it clearly changed. You know by mid-September, usually with a bad team, like, oh, we're screwed. And it, it just, for Raider fans, it just consistently happens. And there's only one constant, guy. There is only one constant over this period of time, and it's the ownership. I mean, it's changed people, but it's the same family. Like, it just, it is what it is. And, and to think that this is going to change in in Vegas is just crazy, is ludicrous to me. Because, like, oh, so you, it, all that would mean is you have more money to spend on players. Well, it's like, it you does see the guy matter pick, a little bit, though. A little bit, though, but it's like... But, like, does that mean Khalil Mack stays on your team? That's not yeah, nothing. It, it isn't nothing. That's that's completely fair. It's not nothing at all. But it's not the end-all, be-all. Like, the Redskins have had money forever. And they can't pick a... Pl- like, you still have to pick the right players, right? And one thing we've seen with John is because of his limited patience, it's really hard. Like, you could argue you give a John an unlimited treasure chest... He might have a little Dan Snyder or Al Davis in him, right? You're saying I can sign those seven guys and give them fully guaranteed contracts? Right. Why, you, you agree with that? Yeah, it could be dangerous. You're right. I mean, it, it costs them Khalil Mack. I mean, so it, it is important. Like, they, they couldn't function. Like, of all the teams in the NFL, they were headed toward they – they, they couldn't even compete. Now, you could argue they haven't been competing, really, right? They competed one year because they had this historic draft. Then that guy got shit canned. 
two years later than the GM. Reggie's like, God damn. Everyone thought I was the idiot. Look at John. Like, the Raiders just aren't that good, guy. That, that's just the end of the day. And I think everyone kind of overreacted. They beat a bad Denver team. And they, they did play well. And Derek played really well. But I'm rooting for him. You're rooting for him. The one thing Derek struggled at is just playing consistent football games against the better teams. And he doesn't really get any cupcakes here coming up. No. Like, also just, guy, you would say Minnesota's defense is really good. Indies just, they've turned into a physical team. Yeah. You could you could argue the Bears are the best defense in the league man for man. How about the Packers? Packers? I mean, they, they I mean they have Texan with a, a head coach in the league the other day. <laughs> no, no big deal. Mike he thought he thought Mike Patton, he's like I think people forget cuz this guy's just kind of been out of sight, out of mind, but he was a big reason when him and Rex were kicking the shit out of everybody. John, then they play Houston. So, that just all the physical defenses and it's like at some point all this travel plus these physical games add up. Like beating the Packers October twentieth is going to be harder October twentieth than it feels like it's going to be today because between today and October twentieth, you go to Minnesota, come home, go to Indianapolis, then I, I guess you just go straight to London, play the Colts, play the Vikings, play the Bears, have a bye, play the Packers. Like who's to say you beat? Well, there's a chance you're one and four, and you're so desperate, but you're you're so tired, and then well, you just get your ass kicked again. Like today, you would say, yeah, they should they. Should, yeah, they sh- they could beat the Lions at home, but what does this team look like November eleventh, November third after they've played all those games? I mean, three other guys are on injured reserve. I-, I think they're in trouble, guy. I and I think they're in trouble on the field. I think they're in trouble with just relevancy. Anyone talking about them? And you, you move. This is going to be the first time because the Rams moved and they moved and they got good. Boom! It was McVay showed up and they won. Even the Chargers, like, they moved, and they're irrelevant because no one really cares. But at least they win, right? They are a good football team. The Raiders are going, and they're just more than likely going to be drafting in the top five again and just be shitty. Like, it's – now, it is a, it's Vegas, first time they've ever had a sport. So, it's that's – people are going to care, you know, just in terms of, like, they're going to be giving tickets away, and people are going to travel there from away teams. I, I get all that. But they're, bad football is bad football. Like – I'm watching the game, like, oh, this is really cool, playing the Chiefs, and they start fast, and then it's just like, oh, this game's a dud. You know? You're just getting your ass kicked. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't either. But this, this is this is what happens when you talk about fucking Mark Davis's football team. And it's like, stop blaming us, please. Just stop blaming the Thank Blame you. him. For the love of God. I know somebody tweeted at us, um, you know, that there's an issue in Santa Clara with the non-football events. Well, didn't, somebody- didn't like, uh, 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 one of the Rolling Stones or something talk some shit. Oh, really? You see, like, it might have been like Mick Jagger was like, this is ridiculous. They won't let us rage past 10. He's like, the people are demanding they kick us off the stage. I, I swear I just saw the headline. Like, Mick Jagger is mad at the Santa Clara officials. It's almost like Guido got into, like, Mick, you gotta, you gotta say something for me. Well, well somebody <laughs> was like, so somebody tweeted us, like, were you gonna crush the, the Niners for this issue? And what I wanted to say is, you know who's not gonna have this issue? The Raiders. You know why? Because they're not, they don't own the stadium, so they're not going to be like somebody else makes all those decisions, right? Like yeah. the Forty ers own the stadium, somebody else manages. I don't even know the noise in Santa Clara. Well, they they have to abide by the rules of the city. Like part of the way that they got financed. Again, it's a little over my head with all the details. But you know, Santa Clara took out the liability on the loan, so they have to answer. 
to their requirements for what's it called a uh, curfew or whatever about the noise and one big issue so far I, I think sometimes it's probably like anything right an argument with your wife or some a business deal you just you just want to get something done so you say yes and then you realize into it you're like well I actually don't some of the details on this I want to change but we're already in it now see if we can change it and in something that's like a legit contract you're just like, oh, they'll be they'll be lenient on it. And it turns out, no, they're not being lenient on it. And if you are, like, concerts are a big deal. 10 o'clock is, 10 o'clock, yeah, financially, they're huge, is a big issue for Taylor Swift, Mick Jagger, whoever, right? Like I told you, John Mayer went to 11 the other night. But, like, I, when you told me what time John Mayer comes on, typically the concerts I've been to, just in my life, the main act, I, did, I don't know if John just went... If you say 7.30, maybe it was just him by himself, which would be a sweet I'll concert. Ask her. She made it seem like he was on the whole time. But you know, like, sometimes the lead act doesn't come out to like, 9. Right. I've heard... I mean, you've read some of these crazy stories about, like, rap concerts where they don't come out to like, midnight. Or just, like, Kanye West, you know, just Prince. What happens if you show up at 9? They're like, hey, guys, four songs, cutting it. <laughs> you know, it sucks. But there's nothing you can do. Well, and no, I think Prince not, doesn't... The, yeah. The Niners' argument is like, the city of Santa Clara, you won't budge on this. We're generating you so much fucking money, like money that you never would have had. And that's the problem when you get in bed. Because the Niners, this is the difference between the Niners and Lakeup. The Niners did need some help because right. Jed didn't have the cash. Where Lakeup's like, I don't have to do any of these deals with fucking anybody. I'm taking out the loans. And then I'll make the rules. Now, still, I would imagine there are rules with Joe, right? He can't have a concert going until 4 in the morning. I mean, there are just laws in this country that you have to abide by but i would say in fairness in defense of the niners that law seems kind of stupid like you're not going to let us have a concert till 11 o'clock at night because i think a lot of the well i don't even know where are the neighbors they're, they're, well they're not that far away they complain i guess the sound the sound carries pretty well and it does feel a lot like oakland guy yesterday when the san francisco uh jerseys of course everyone once the csn bay area tweets out the san francisco oh, warriors jerseys Who's going to hate him? Oakland guy. And every single tweet is from Oakland guy. Fuck these. Fuck these. And my first reaction, again, no agenda. I like the town jerseys just like I like the San Francisco jerseys. I got news for you. Look good. They look good. Well, here's, so, yeah. another, here's another news flash. They're actually throwback uniforms. From like the Wilt Chamberlain days, right? When they were the San Francisco Warriors. Like, whatever. Then I like the, what do you think of the Bay uniform? I, I, I like most of them. The only one yeah. I really don't like is the is the Chinese one's kind of stupid, but I get, like, I'm not an idiot. I understand. A bit Lakeup would say, you know, actually, that's the best one we got for our pockets. You know, right. I'd be like, yeah, Joe, Joe would be like, if I could, I might do that about 80% of the games. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I yeah. get it, man. <laughs> but it's like, hey, hey, Oakland guy, you got five, uh, you got five NBA finals the last five years in three ranks. So it's like, it was pretty good. You know, they moved to San Francisco. That happened. It's not even that big a deal. You can still watch them. They, they didn't leave. You know, they did not leave. Are, are the Vegas Raiders, like, are they immediately the Las Vegas Raiders next year? Like, that is a little complicated, right? They just have to have all this new merchandise immediately. Absolutely. Sure, like, fanatics will have it. Yes. I wonder, 100%. when are they going to unveil the logo? LV Raiders? Probably after the Super Bowl, you think? The second I, they move there, they need to start selling it? I don't know. I, I guess... The Raiders logo doesn't have Oakland in it, so it probably makes it a little no, easier. No, but you'll right? have secondary. They don't really have – do they have a secondary? They've got like the Oakland block kind of on, the, on a sweatshirt type look. But. but you know what I'm saying? Like they're pretty – like the Raiders logo doesn't have to change. Yeah, it'll just say Vegas where it says 
is there like a script for fun that has like a little tail on it that says Oakland inside the tail? Well, you would say though, Bob Melvin, cow guy, right? Pretty smart. He's already gone. I've been around this these parts a lot longer than most of you young whippersnappers because he's from around here, right? Isn't Bob from around here? Mm-hmm. He's even calling like, ah, we'll, we'll see when they go. I've been hearing this about my team, about their team for a lot of years and not much movement. They're playing here. We're still playing here. We'll believe it when we see it. Even the Raiders are like, yeah, we plan on being there. They're not, we're there, right? We plan on being there. Kroenke is where you have to respect Kroenke. I'm moving. I'm out. Where are you going to play, Stan? We'll figure it out. What do I, you, I got? You have pay? to take Dean with you. Whatever. Yeah, fucking I'll tell build him a house. He can stay in the guest house. Did you see they, they signed the biggest naming rights ever? Sophie uh, for Sophie. the LA Stadium or Sophie? And someone was like, the, the Rams and the Chargers, so far. I'm like, yeah, the Rams <laughs> and the Chargers get anything? I'm like, I don't know what Dean, like, no, Crocky signed that deal. You know, Crocky, whatever that number is, he's not getting like 51% of it, right? If I had to guess whatever the split is, it's closer to like 90-10 than it is What's 50, he getting 50. anything for? <laughs> just the right to be there? Like, Dean, just just shut up. All right, uh, Eli, John, Eli Manning, a lot of debate about whether or not he's a Hall of Famer because he's been replaced and the uh, Daniel Jones era has begun, which actually I'm fired up about because uh, we talk so much about Daniel Jones. I, Eli's getting a lot of credit for handling it well. I don't think either one of us is surprised. Hell, I'm not even sure we've seen him play his last snap as the Giants quarterback, but Daniel Jones era should last a little longer than Geno's one start in Oakland. Um, what Remember when Gino was scrambling and it was like throw it away, and Khalil Mack was kind of close, thinking he'd throw it away, and then Gino just held, and Khalil just sacks him, and it was like a thirty-yard loss. Now the right, it's like what is he doing? <laughs> uh, but God, that was a debacle. Here we go. Here we go. I one, I don't understand why people are so. I get it. It maybe it's just Twitter, like Eli, nothing but class. Just nothing but class. Yeah, I mean, have you guys followed the Mannings? They're pretty classy people. Like, I, I think it would have been the biggest upset in the world if Eli's like, fuck Daniel Jones, screw John Mara, screw you, McAdoo, wherever you're at, and Pat Shermer, you're an idiot. Like, we knew exactly what Eli was going to say. Like, I'll do whatever I have to do to support him. I'm a good guy. Like, of course that's what Eli was going to say. I, I don't see why anyone's shocked about this. It's just basic business. The Giants are unwatchable. Is Eli their entire problem? No, their defense is horrendous. They traded Odell Beckham Jr. for a box safety and a nose tackle in a passing league. So, yeah, they're awful. But you drafted a guy. I would say if this was, if Daniel Jones had been a third-round pick, I'd be like, eh, I get why you're doing it, but it could be really ugly. They drafted mm-hmm. this guy sixth overall. And he had a good preseason. You could argue that it wouldn't have been that nuts if they just would have started him week one. I mean, it would have been a little crazy because Eli's still there, but like from a football standpoint, he would clearly look better than Eli in the preseason. Again, the huge caveat in this whole conversation, this kid was drafted sixth overall. Like, just say that out loud. Those guys usually start faster than not, especially on shitty teams. And I would add, John, again, I don't think it, I think it matters here that he looked good in the preseason. I think that's part of this. Yeah, if he had looked shitty in the preseason, you would not do this now. I, now you I just, can, you know, I understand people say like, why didn't they just cut Eli from the beginning? Well, you just, I think that's where you go back to. Part of it is, hey, if the Mars want to 
not save $11 million by cutting him before the season or in the offseason, fine. That's their prerogative. But that's where I go back to. I think part of it is just it's always easy to say that after we've seen a guy. But they got Daniel Jones. Then they played him in the preseason. And I would imagine once he started looking good, that's when Gettleman could really start saying to the Maros, look, guys, like, what do we do? Are we going to waste this whole season again? Do you think the Maros went a little San Francisco Giants on their guy? Just They're just pretty loyal people naturally. They, they like him a lot. If you're ever going to do it, do it with the guy that won you two Super Bowls. And who's just as classy as a guy you're ever Yeah, like, okay. okay. And who's like, your guy? You and drafted. And again, it's their $11 million that they didn't save by not Well, to me, it's not, so, yeah, I, to me, it's not about the money. I, I but think I just mean because I've seen that a lot. Like, you know, they cost themselves $11 million by not cutting him in the offseason. Like, all right, well, it's their $11 million. Well, I think that the, the counter more on the other side would have been, like, should they have done Eli somewhat of a solid and just let him go somewhere else where he just would have been the full-time starter. Now, like you said, I don't think even they expected Daniel Jones to be as good as he was. But, and I but was, it's not like Eli got beat out, John. He got to be the full-time starter here and then wasn't good enough. So he And he, and he got he to got be the, the full-time starter basically on scholarship. Like, the guy couldn't have been any better in the preseason, and they're like, yeah, he's starting, right? Like, they, they didn't budge. So he was kind of scholarshiped in. Now, it turns out his scholarship was a little shorter than we thought. I, but the Hall of Fame uh, argument guy... I. I've gone back and forth because just in your mind, you go, well, he's had some really, really bad seasons. And even like before his career started to crumble, remember in like 2010 or nine, he had a, he had a season where the picks, I'd have to look this up, but I swear to God, he threw 40 picks in a season. I mean, it was legitimately like 25, led the league. But his two highs are at the end of the day, wherever you stand in football heaven, and Ronnie Lott's talking and Montana's talking and Brady's talking, like Eli can walk into that room and go, when all the chips were on the table and 75 million people had their television on the one game, I beat this guy who's at the head of the table twice. And this other little curmudgeon that's at the head of the coaching table, I beat him twice as well too. And he was awesome. Like, it was legendary runs, guy. Because he was the wild card twice. He beat, remember the one year in 07, he beat like a Favre team on the road when Coughlin's face froze off. In 11, he beat Brett. He beat Rogers MVP, and then he beat Harbaugh's defense, and then he beat Brady. And I, I, I was thinking about this today. This might be the best Patriot team of all time, like literally that's happening right now. Like they, there is a chance when it's all said and done, they just go 19 and 0, right? Probably not, but it's definitely possible, right? Do you agree with that? Yeah. This Patriot team could go run the table. Is that Patriot team that lost the best Patriot team? Of the last 20 years? Wouldn't you say? Would you take peak Randy Moss or peak Antonio? Peak Randy Moss. I'd take, yeah, okay, good. But but just all their pieces fit perfectly. Brady was just, it was like he was like Mike Trout mixed with Mickey Mantle mixed with Babe. It was just, he Plus was on you, a fucking you factor, mission. Yeah, you factor in just the Spygate. And- oh, and Belichick was out for blood. It was just the ultimate combination. And he beat that team, guy. He beat that team. That's that to me is one of the great accomplishments in the history of the NFL. Well, doesn't it make the fact that they came back and beat them again even more impressed? The fact that you beat Belichick and Brady the first time, and then they and got a then, shot at you again. Yeah, you got they got another shot at you, and you beat them again. And did you say? I don't know if you, if you said it. I was looking at some of his stats, but he both those playoffs he beat. You mentioned one of them, but he beat Rodgers twice too. Well, no, he, oh, no, beat, he beat, beat Favre and then he beat Rodgers. You yeah. said that. Okay, sorry. Well, but what was more impressive? Beating Rodgers when he beat him in eleven guy. I think Rogers the second the, time. 
Rodgers was the MVP of the league in 11. Yeah, that the one MVP was of the league, 15-1. and one. Or was it more impressive to go on the road in the Frozen Tundra game when Coughlin's face and find a way to win that game? But beating the, that Niners team was impressive, too. On the road when they were beating the shit out of them. But this, now, this is the point, though. It's like both of them were. He had to win four games to win the Super Bowl twice. Five combined road games in those. He only played one home game in eight games in those two Super Bowl runs. Only played one home wild. game. So, so, so the one year he did win the division, like 9-7, they were like a four seed, I guess. They played Atlanta. I don't remember this score. I dare you to, to remember the score of that game. Guy, I don't remember that game. Like, was Matt Ryan? What year is this? This is 07. Uh, sorry, this is 12. So it would have been Matt Ryan would have been on that team. I don't remember that team at all. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I have no recollection. None. 24-2 to was the final score of that game. <laughs> would you say that's one of the most forgotten <laughs> playoff games in the history of sports? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I don't remember. Eli got sacked in the end zone for a safety, and it was 2 nothing Falcons. I, you'd think you'd remember what, that. What play. was the score of the game that they went to beat Rodgers the next week when he was coming off the MVP? I remember Brandon Jacobs getting a sweep. 37-20. to So they kind of beat the shit out of him. You know how so many they, people were at that? What, do you know what would be fascinating? I don't know if he has it on the – are you on football reference? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you guess they were probably a seven-point underdog in that game? Uh, you know, I don't think. I remember my cousin told me that he he got the Giants. I forget the line, but they were a pretty big underdog to the Harbaugh Niners. Because think about it. You're going on the road to Green Bay, so you've won two straight playoff games. You're right. You got a home game, and you won 24-2. to But then you were a heavy underdog to Rodgers. Then you go on the road to Candlestick. So you go to Lambeau to Candlestick back-to-back, MVP and the best defense in the league, and you win two games. You, you know, you I mean, God damn, Eli's, Eli's John, highs are incredible. That year, the Atlanta game, that first playoff game, because it was the only home game that they played in those two playoff runs, the attendance was just under 80,000 at MetLife Stadium. Like, it was bigger by 10,000 people than the Super Bowl. Like, you think, like, so in that, to do all of this in that city, right, for that franchise. So, I, but by the way, and I'm 100% with you, I think he's a Hall of Famer. I think any argument otherwise is just overthinking it. Um, because you say two Super Bowls, and then you start diving into the context of well, it all. You, now, to you, your point, he, he did. I did fact check. You were right. He had twenty five, and he had a twenty seven interception season. <laughs> he that's three what, times. That's what the makes him a bizarre player, guy. Is because if he had just retired in like thirteen, and just retired at like thirty two years old, like I'm out. I think people would remember him as like it's different because Jeter won five, but. Maybe not on Jeter's level, but like pretty close. Like they're sitting at the same table in just New York heaven, sports heaven. Like he's Eli Manning. He won them two Super Bowls. Like Parcells, LT, Eli. Has his legacy been diminished or is it one of those things in five, six years you forget the really shitty times and you just remember the two great times? Because he has had some pretty lows, low lows. I I don't know. I think it's part of the whole recipe that won't get forgotten. Because I'll tell you this. So since they won that Super Bowl in 12. They didn't make the playoffs a couple years ago when uh, Odell went to the boat, remember? He's had two winning records since that Super Bowl. And his, I think his best season of the last like five or six was the year that Beckham went to the boat with uh, Sterling Shepard and had the blunt on the boat. And remember, then they lost to the Packers in the in Green Bay. But remember, Odell was like dropping some balls. Eleven and five. And Eli was good because that was Ben McAdoo's first year. Like God, this McAdoo guy's a genius. And Eli had, I think he threw thirty plus touchdowns in that season. He's won eight games since. 
wouldn't you, and this is, I think, where the David Deals and the Sean O'Hares. Frank, come, hey Frank, good to be on with you. <laughs> come to Eli. It's Mike, <laughs> Mike have Francesa. You, have you ever seen a radio host with, I mean, in that town, David Deal was a starting lineman, I think, on multiple Super Bowl teams. Like, he's pretty famous. And he's probably. done media. Like, he's done games for Fox. Was David Deal fucking with him, or is that an honest mistake? Uh, my guess is producer calls him, producer thinks I'm the producer for Mike Francesa. Everybody knows what I do. Hey, can you come on with Francesa? And he thinks the guy's name is Frank Sessa or Frank Essa or something like that. Oh, maybe. because the guy just calls him, hey, this WFAN, Frank Sessa. Frank, yeah. <laughs> but, but again, guy, you couldn't live in New York and not know who he Yeah, is, I don't know. Maybe you? he's fucking with Deal does seem like a guy that would fuck with people. Hey, maybe Frank. he's fucking with him. Because that's what I would do. I mean, if you just I think he, take a I think he might have been fucking with him because Mike was a You're fan. probably right. You're probably Didn't it right. feel like Mike would have easily hung up on him right there? Like, fuck this guy. Yes. You're not he coming to my show and ruining my Eli Manning's just incredible. My, it's my, going to be my best show of the year. Right. Right. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I think Eli is, I think his story guy, just his story, just his resume of a career is as unique of a one as you'll ever find. I, I, I think if you go back well before our time, you know a sneaky argument is check out Joe Willie Namath's stats. Mm-hmm. He was actually not that great. I think he has like an even touchdown to pick ratio, but he won the Super Bowl. He guaranteed it. It was like stuff of legends, and he got into the Hall of Fame. But I think when people like really take a look back and go, you know, like the Bart Stars and the guys that were Y.E. Tittles that were famous back in, he was not as good as those guys. Now, he was really famous, and he had a moment – but you can't tell the story of the NFL without Joe Willie Namath, right? He's one of the great characters still to this day in the history of the league. There is some of that with Eli as the player, not necessarily the personality. But he's not like his brother. Like his brother is truly one of the best players in the history of the sport. And for and until he kind of got lucky there in 16, Eli was going to have more titles than him. You know, there's the other part of Eli that, like Peyton obviously won a, uh, well, he didn't win the, Woodson won the Heisman, so Peyton didn't win the Heisman. But Peyton was a Heisman finalist, right? Like, I don't re- – maybe part of it is just our age, but I don't – first of all, I don't remember watching one Eli game in college. His college career to me – and, again, he was in college when we were in high school. Maybe I just wasn't I, But I do Ole remember Miss. hearing about him. Peyton's I do remember brother hearing about him, Miss. too, but I, my, my sense was I'm hearing about him because he's Not Eli as many Man. games on TV back then, too. Yeah, but he, he played four years at Ole Miss – and his junior year was 21 touchdowns, 15 picks. His sophomore year was 31 touchdowns, 9 picks. Say that again? 31 and 9 his sophomore year. So he's Peyton Manning's brother and he's balling in the SEC. And that was really his first year as a starter. Because he, really he didn't really play as a freshman. Who would you say, because Peyton is what? So he comes out, what year is Eli's rookie year? 04, Peyton comes out in 98, so he's like 6 years older than him. Yeah. So it would be like, uh, I'm trying to think of the level. Because Peyton Manning was probably, when Eli came out, the best player in the league. He was even better than Tom at the time in 04, right? Everyone right. would say Peyton Manning was a better player than Tom Brady, even though Tom Brady had won. That would be the equivalent of like, if Russell Wilson's brother right now was just playing at like University of Washington and he was a legit pro prospect, like we would hear about him all the time, right? He would be really famous. Like, even quadruple, the games would, they'd find a way to play those if, if the team was good, or just even close to being relevant, we would, it would be shoved down our throat. That, that comp's not even right. I, it'd be like an older version of Mahomes. 
You know, I'd be like, James Jordan, Mahomes. Jordan Rodgers at Vandy? And that tried, but it just he wasn't close to being as good enough, right? Yeah. You're right. I mean, it's when you just factor in all the variables, the, the famous name even well before Peyton got to the NFL, then Peyton's how good he was in his first like six or seven years. And people forget, because I don't, because I was a Peyton guy over a Brady guy, I switched probably like late 2000s. It wasn't even cl- like no one would argue. Just in a in a vacuum, the better player by a mile was Peyton. Then Brady kind of took off, and then it, Eli kind of just Eli took whole, him down, took down his nemesis. The whole Rivers thing, though, before like the Rivers, he does not going to play for the Chargers. Like there was another quarterback. Turned out both teams picked right. You know, well, you'd argue I would the, argue. The, the, I think the Giants fucking. I mean, won that deal, right? Yeah, I. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying yes. the Chargers lost, but the Giants got two. Super but I, Bowls like, if you Eli. told the Chargers you could flip it, would they? Well, if I said Eli might win a Super Bowl, of course. But would he? I mean, I. You know, maybe. I, I don't know. Um, I'm just saying. I get if you're the Chargers going. Yeah, we picked the right guy because I think they're both Hall of Famers. But I, here's where I get to, and I'm a, I love Philip Rivers. If you're on the fence, and I understand why people would be on the fence, I, yeah. even though I, I you with have both to value of them. You, you what with both of them or just Eli? You're saying with Eli. To me, it's kind of like the NBA. Like you have to diminish Harden's greatness when he keeps shitting the bed in the playoffs. Just like you have to elevate Eli's greatness when he dominates in the playoffs against the best. Right, like the stats in football probably more than any other sport during the regular season, do matter, right? How many winning seasons you have, how what... Because the regular season of all the sports matters the most because it's so much harder to get in the playoffs. You have so few games. Like, I do judge you on regular season games. Like, James, you scored 50 against the Suns. You know, whatever. I don't even know what to make of it, you know? But, like, Eli, you throw four picks against these random games throughout a lot of times of your career. Like, that is a problem. But I've just... His highs were as high as, like, any player in the history of the league. You know, like, think about this. The only other person or people to beat uh, Brady and Belichick in a Super Bowl within a month had a statue of themselves, Doug Peterson and Nick Foles, in front of the stadium that quickly. Now, they would have got it probably no matter what, but a huge part of Phillies, that, the, the power of I mean, of it was a Super fake Bowl, Bud Light statue. No, they got a real one. Oh, that's right, the Philly Specialist. Yeah, the Philly Specialist. Wait, was that, is that real? No, they got a real statue right now in front of the link. 100%. Oh, okay. yeah, they got yeah, a real statue. But I remember there was a, bu- a fake, like, Yeah, there might have been a fake, but there is a real statue right now, Willie Mae style, Orlando Cepedo style, in front of God, you're right. The that's link. the fastest statue erection ever. Now, does that statue go up no matter who they're playing? Probably, but it's 50 times more powerful given who they beat, right? It means so much. Like, if I was an Eagle fan, I'd beat the Patriots. It's, it's basically a box of awesome, guy. It's incredible. It is. It is. You just got your uh, your, your your weapons yesterday from <laughs> Did Boston. Did you see that thing? <laughs> I got those last time. Uh, Has Alyssa you, used them to cook? No, I got to find, like, a cow or a pig or something to, to put what do you do with the little half? What do you do with the half-circle one? Is that for pizza? I thought that was for, like, getting between the ribs. I don't okay. know. It's a good question. Yes, yeah, some queuing, uh, some, some BBQing. <laughs> yeah, like for for breaking up the the full size pig. But uh, Box of Awesome, that's definitely the spot. Boxofawesome.com is the website. 
the promo code at checkout, you know what it is. It's ham. It's 20% off your first subscription box. We've already gotten, uh, you just got your second or third box from Box of Awesome. I got another one coming. I've got the shipping information that's on its way. I know the bag I'm getting. Fired up about it. Yep, guy, Box of Awesome. I, I've gotten a sweet bag, a little night bag. Uh, I think you go into a wedding, use that bag this weekend. That's a good call. Uh, hell, re-gift it. Uh, no, don't do that. That's, that's excellent. No. Uh, you know, I got a I got a whiskey aging kit. They got so much cool stuff. Again, each box costs only $45, but has over $70 worth of gear inside. Just go to boxofawesome.com. Check it out. Get 20% off, guy. Your first monthly box when you sign up for boxofawesome.com. Enter the promo code HAM at checkout. That's boxofawesome.com. Promo code HAM. 20% off your first box. Can't beat it. That's right. Helps you upgrade your your life. Helps you upgrade your apartment. Helps you upgrade your style. Whether you're looking for the perfect drip drink, uh, like John said, the jet setting style, one box at a time, it improves you. And the thing I love most about it is, at, on the first of each month, you'll receive an email. The email tells you what's in the box. You have five days to change the colors, the sizes, add something else to the box. If you're not feeling that month's box, you simply skip it. So yes, it's a subscription, but you're not stuck with anything you don't want. It's just opening your horizons, getting you in into uh, maybe a world that you weren't into before. Oh. Boxofawesome.com. Enter the promo code HAM at checkout for 20% off your first box. Ow! All right. Uh, before we get some NFL headlines, uh, the NFL itself, specifically the Miami Dolphins, looking like a Major League Baseball team, John. Unlike in baseball, where the worst team is still going to win, you usually say like 62, but I think the Tigers are on pace for like, I don't even know, 50 wins? Maybe? They are awful. The Dolphins might not win a game this year. And uh, I got to tell you, since the Browns did it, I think uh, it's not as bad anymore. Well, And when you say in baseball, I know it worked for the Astros. One, it takes like three or four years. And also the draft in baseball is such a crapshoot where it's just – it's impossible. In basketball, there was – now it's really hard because of how crazy the lottery is. I mean, fuck, we saw the Lakers go from 11 to 4. Uh, we saw the Knicks have the worst record and finish third. There is still a randomness, more now than ever. But even back in the day when Hinky was doing it, they were by far the worst team. And if I remember correctly, I, I guess they got the number one pick twice because they traded it once. No, they traded up for Markel Fultz. I think they only got it once, and it was Ben Simmons. But in basketball, it's risky. Football is the one sport like Hinky would work because you can guarantee yourself the number one pick, right? It's it's actually a Hinky dream because you can fucking suck and there is no lottery. And there is no like, well, we got to draft this high school kid. We, we hope and pray in like three years. He's Madison Bumgarner, but he might just be John Middlecoff. You never hear about him. In football, it's like, we can get the number one pick. We suck for luck and we get luck or Newton or Tua or whatever. I do think in football, though, standards are a little higher because you go, we can turn it around so fast. Every team has money. I do like this for the Dolphins, though, as long as it only takes one year. You just go all in on one year. And then this offseason, you try to start winning. Now, I know you're not going to be that good next year, but you can't do this again next year. Like, still trade serviceable players and just keep bottoming out. Like, if you just do it one year, I do think fans can understand it. Like, I think the problem for Hinky, right, the fundamental issue, besides he missed on some picks, and that was his point. Like, I'm going to miss on some picks, so the more swings I have and the higher yeah. swings, it's going to be higher. In football, it's more, if you're going to put me through this, like, it, I, I see the plan now. I get it, but I don't want to, I can't do this three or four years. Like, in Hinky, there was no end in sight. It was like, does this guy ever want to win, or is he just going <laughs> to fucking play this out? In, in baseball, the Astros told everyone, right? Even Theo did it kind of too. Listen, 
It's going to take us a couple of years, but here's what we're doing. And they missed on picks too. People forget they Theo? missed. Mark Appel was a, no the Astros. Mark oh, Appel Astros that was did. a that was not that pick flamed out. But they just the volume. They hit, they, but they they hit multiple home hit run mul- picks. Yeah, yeah, grand. So slams, to me, so. if 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 the Miami Dolphins can get anywhere, because would you say the Sixers? It worked, but it's still a little sketchy, right? Like it's like the two home run hits they had, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. You could argue aren't even ideal fits, but they are blue chippers. And you're like, they've you, become one of the yes more. You feel good about where they ended least. up. I think you'd look back and say that sucked, but all in all, it was worth it for the organization. Who would you say turned out the best of the group? The Astros. Yes, by far. Right? I mean, they won a championship, and it feels like they're going to be in position in the next couple of years to win another one. They yeah, can win this, this year. year. Yeah. I just think here's the thing with the Dolphins. Part of doing a tank in football, more than the other sports, where it's like, well, who's the best player in this draft? You don't care what the position is in basketball. If it's Zion, if it's a point guard, if it's a center, if the guy's elite, you take Shaq or Jason Kidd or whatever. You don't give a fuck, right? In football, if you are going to fool, just tank the shit out of the season. And I do think this is the most intense tank, even more than the Browns. Because the Dolphins, unlike the Browns, we're not winning like two or three games. They've been consistently winning like seven, eight, nine for the last like 30 years. I think that's the problem, right? They're just constantly just in the middle. It is based on the quarterback. And if there is not a guy that you see as a superstar quarterback, nothing really is going to change. That's part of it. Like, And I, I, I don't feel 100% confident that two is going to be the number one overall pick. But I am 100% confident the Miami Dolphins are going to pick number one. And we'll see. To me, Justin Herbert, like Tua doesn't have as much to prove anymore. He kind of is what he is. He's elite. It's just, do you think he's an elite NFL prospect? Like, he's kind of proved his ability, right? Whether you think it or not. Like, his he's, his resume is kind of established. We've seen him in big games. We've seen him dominate. I've seen him play well against good teams. Uh, I'm not saying it's finished, but I have a lot more information on him, I feel like, than Herbert. Yeah. From a big yeah. game standpoint? Yeah. Like I like Herbert, like let's say they just win out and he just dominates. Like he can earn himself, like he can jolt past Tua, I think, just with play. But I, I just think those are the only two options. So if and there's a chance, like for every Wentz and Goff or Darnold and Mayfield, and look at Darnold and Mayfield. Like, all right, you watched the Monday Night Football game the other night. Do you think Baker's just some lock superstar in this league? No, but I don't think he's going to be a bust. Well, no, he's. but I'm just saying, like, you took him number one overall. Yeah, yeah, the question is, like, to me, in the modern conversation we have here, like when I say modern, I mean last few years, the question, the way I kind of look at it is, like, are we going to be looking at this guy like Marcus Mariota, where, you're, where you spend a couple of years thinking it's going to work, then you spend a couple of years not sure, and then you're like, ah, uh, do I need another quarterback? Because to me – we're on pace right now for Mitchell Trubisky to not even get to the Marcus Mariota conversation. No chance. Right. So Mariota to me is the one where it's like, there's a few years where you're like, if he just takes the next step, if he just takes the next step. But you can at least function with Mariota and win a bunch of games. Yeah. yeah. You know, and same, I do think eventually with Baker. But I think when you're drafting one overall, you're looking for more than, I think, kind of where Baker's trending right now. But he, it's so young in his career. You definitely do not want Mariota. Like, if you take Mariota number one overall, like, you're shooting for Wentz or Mahomes. Right. And now the counter is, well, there's only so many Wentz and Mahomes. Like, we, we, we hope Zion's LeBron. Well, likelihood he's not going to be. And I think that's part of the problem. Like, you should be feeling pretty good if you just get, right, like a Phillip Rivers. Well, and, and if you're the Dolphins, couldn't you make the case, like, guys, 
look look at our division first of all. We're not winning this division unless we like really change things here. And believe it or not, at some point Tom Brady's not going to be the quarterback of the Patriots. So it's okay if we string this out a couple of years doing a full rebuild because being ready to win in 2019 unless we're really ready to compete doesn't do anything for us. Do you think us. it's safe to say they don't match up very well against the Patriots right now? Yeah, although I'll say the next meeting, you know, maybe you can catch them sleeping. Trap game. <laughs> there the is. Trap game is when you're like a 14-point underdog. Being like a 19-and-a-half or a 20-point underdog is beyond trap game. Well, I'll give you a trap game. Like, the Dolphins are at the Cowboys this week. And when I check, I just I haven't even looked. I just heard it was like 21 points. That's what it opened as. Is there any chance that, let's just use two players, for example. Because I think Dak is a pro. He, he'll try. That Zeke and Amari this week are hitting the practice field in the meetings, especially Zeke, with the same fervor as they would if they were playing the Eagles. No. Like, is Zeke locked in this week? There is no chance I'm getting a great practice with Zeke. <laughs> and I am not crushing Zeke for that. If you put John Middlecoff in Zeke's body, you would not get my bet. How could you, guy? How could you? How can Zeke look at this film? And it's why I always, I, I was telling you, you've done some of these games, like when you get a Washington playing a Sac State. I've seen it with Coach Sac Hill. Sac State plays the dogs this week. How do you... Sac State at Fresno State. Saturday how do night. you talk yourself into, if you're the coach, the, the just the anger they have? Like, guys, you see this guy? He sucks. But you don't say that. You say this. You see Belichick was saying this week they play the Jets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, they got weapons. They keep, you know, they, they are just an explosive team. This guy, this guy, this guy. Like, how does he talk like that? Uh, how, how has Robbie he... Anderson stayed on the Jets for like five, seven years? Over I, I don't know. But he just, because Belichick keeps hyping him up and maybe the Jets like, oh, I think we got something here. Uh, I, I, but, I, but I think at the end of the day, guy, it's really risky. I think part of the reason the Browns started getting really ripped is it took a couple years. And then they had a year, and this is what you can't do. When you pass on the quarterback, remember it was like, well, they didn't love Goff. And then they traded back. It's like they couldn't have Wentz. And then it well, came they, out that Dee Podesta said he, they didn't think he was a top 20 guy. It was like, okay. Yeah. So these guys are tanking. And to me it was different. Like at least Hinky. Also they started tanking with non-traditional football executives. Who, who made comments like that. He said that they didn't believe that Carson Wentz could be a top twenty player. The moment you say that, does that discredit your whole tank? Uh, not in the moment, but in retrospect, it makes it. Well, you know, at the moment, like no one really knew yet, right? Yeah, but I mean, if they could do it all over, but you no, you're Carson right. Wentz, everyone right now, was like, "Well, you might not think he's good, but he's clearly a top twenty prospect." That's true. Well, and then that reflects that's the guy who has a lot of influence, who's pushing these narratives in there. Like, holy fuck. And you'd be like, well, at least the meathead team took him. No, actually, the most analytically team-driven before Dee Podesta showed up, the Howie Roseman and the Eagles took him. You think they like him? I think they feel pretty good about him. And it, actually, they, they're still nervous about him because he gets hurt all the time, but they love that. They go, yeah, he's probably the most talented, just talented player you could argue we've ever had, you know, in the history of the franchise. And you guys passed on him, and then you said a comment that, I'm sorry, Paul Dee Podesta. The what? T.O.? It was pretty. I mean, he, I think he had what ten catches in the Super Bowl, the broken leg. So yeah, Donovan. I think people forget. Randall was Cunningham? a was a starting quarterback and a starting. I don't know if he started, but he definitely played at Syracuse in basketball. Yeah, and he had. I mean, he's pretty elite prospect. But I think the difference is Carson's just probably smarter. 
so you can do more. But, I mean, they've had some pretty talented players over the years. But you get I mean, Reggie White. Again, I, I'm being a little hyperbole here, but you get my point. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Carson Wentz means a lot to their franchise, and they wouldn't trade him. Beside Mahomes, would they trade him for any player in the league? I think Mahomes the only guy that they would do straight up. I don't think there was one other player in the NFL that they would do it. And 94% of them, they're hanging up. Think about that. But, that, that. but again, this all gets back to my Dolphins point. Part of a tank and part of anything, like in, when it's a quarterback league, you are a little dependent on the guys you're going to get. And so even if you're drafting number one, if it's just a year where, well, it's not a great quarterback year. Like looking back, the Bears will eventually, if Mitch keeps sucking, take a lot of shit for it. I would say the one thing they have going for them is it's not like Deshaun Watson and Mahomes started going like 4-5, right? Or even 5-6. It's like they did go like 10-12. and 12. Not that that's, no one's going to give a shit in like five years when Mahomes has three MVPs and two ranks. That's just, or and maybe Deshaun Watson wins another one too, and he's like, is Deshaun Watson one of the most accomplished quarterbacks in the history of all of football? You know, he's won a national championship, he won a Super Bowl. It won't age well. But I just think when we do take a step back, there were a lot of players picked between them. You know, So it's like the league, you could argue that Deshaun, it should have been, yeah, the guy was unreal in college, kicking the shit out of everyone. Dabo's on his soapbox screaming, this guy's Michael Jordan of football, no one listened. Mahomes, yeah. it's crazy because he's the best player in the league right now. But he did somewhat come out of nowhere. I, we talk about football for a living. We consume it. We watch some of college football. I just don't really remember the Mahomes vernacular. Unlike like Lamar Jet, we talk a Lamar. Well, there was nonstop. a lot of air raid. It's probably kind of hollow, right? There was a lot of that. They're not winning. But I just even like his tools. Like I just don't remember people talking about like this guy's a freak. You know, we guy we were talking about Josh Allen nonstop for a year. He was at Wyoming. We did not speak about Mahomes. I think that's more of a credit to like Andy just saw something that these other guys couldn't see. Because yeah, I, I, I do I, think it's gonna it's gonna age really poorly, guy. Yeah. Well, yeah. There's no debate there. <laughs> it's it's aging. You could argue it's already aged really, really poorly today, right? It's only gonna get worse. I think the argument's <laughs> over. Yes. Yes. But that's how when the next draft rolls around, Adam Gase gets to say, "No, no, 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 no." Mrs. McCaskey, I get to make this quarterback pick. Nagy. Adam Gase, Matt Nagy. I don't yeah. know. I do that all the time. Sorry. Well, I mean, he's kind of similar. You know, 40-year-old white guy. Did you, you know. see that shot? Were you Monday Night Football, were you watching at halftime when they showed Adam Gase walking off the field? They no. had him from – he was the slowest walk. But I was like, I couldn't quite tell if it was actually him. But it was – the body language was very bad. I did see people tweeting that if you watched Adam Gase's Tuesday press conference – it's arguably someone to be like, this might be the worst body language press conference I've ever seen in the history of press. Okay, so He's not a big him. fake positive guy. Yeah. Which uh, but is not ideal. As someone texted me during the game that's work with Gase, like, he's not a big battle through adversity guy. No, his body language, so it was him walking in. The locker room was really terrible. Um, in but fairness, anyway, though, what's he supposed to do? Pretend it's, I mean, they're no, but it's, but court, it, right? no, but I mean, <laughs> uh, but back to the point on Nagy, like keep in mind, those other two quarterbacks were drafted by offensive coaches who got to control largely their draft, right? Yeah. Or at least had a big say in, I mean, Andy controls it. I don't remember, was that pre-Rick Smith or post-Rick Smith? 
Yeah, but I, I think when it's a quarterback, even Andy would tell you, I don't, like, I let Dorsey, but I was, when it comes to the quarterback with guys like that, if they say, listen, we think this guy's going to be a franchise guy, you'd yeah. be crazy if you're the GM not to go all in for your coach, right? Who was the Brown, who was the Bears offensive coordinator that year? Like, was that, that was post-Trestman, right? Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a disaster, it was false. Dowell Loggins? Yeah, it was Dowell Loggins. Who I've heard from countless people is the worst offensive mind they've ever been around, but I, oh. I don't know him, I'm not trying to take shots. Yeah. He's just, you know, he's a, he never played. I think he's 5'7", about 230, and he's just, you know, a quarterback guy. So it just, you're like, huh, what? And I don't think he's Mr. Dynamic Mind. You know, the one thing you'd say, like, Nagy, Doug, Adam, they've proven if they're just in in a zone, like, they're, they're high ends high, right? They can just dial up plays, and they just know what they're doing. I think you struggle with an offensive mind when you go, is this guy dynamic enough? Because it's the one position where you just, like, defense at the end of the day is either you have the players and you put them just in solid positions and you just kind of stick through it like Fangio and you pick your spots, or you're just Schwartz and you're just, you just take swings. You're just like, and Greg Williams is this. You're never afraid to blitz, right? Greg Williams' reaction after Odell's touchdown, can you imagine how good that made, that made other Brown like Baker feel or whoever hates him on the Browns? Do they hate him, though? I thought some people hate somebody was talking trash. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, maybe not. Baker. But do they hate him, or is just is it convenient to hate him because it's cool to look? Because you know you're going to kick his ass. You know, Wait, it's one of those weird things. Has let's get to some NFL headlines. Has Jamal Adams refollowed the Jets on Instagram? He claimed he never followed them. Oh, okay, because I'd rather I'd I'd trade for him in a heartbeat. That's another guy the 49ers passed on at that pick. That little. I, so I was thinking about it while I was watching him. Like I, I'm not. Uh, I'm not Belichick here, but I just think you need to watch like three or four plays and you realize this guy, every field he takes on, he's going to belong and he's going to be one of the better players. And he is a hammer. You know what? I got to tip my hat to this guy too. And we knew this guy was good. Le'Veon is just a a load. You know, he runs hard. Like Le'Veon, you know, your life kind of sucks right now. It can't be fun. I know. I, I get you made a little money, but that's... Is there anything worse? Like in basketball, if you're a sweet scorer and your team's awful, but you're going to score 30, like at the end of the night, you're like, well, I just fucking dropped 30 on Clay or I dropped 30 on LeBron, like whatever. Right? If you're a running back, even if you're elite like Saquon and you can still get 100 against when they're loading the box, you're still just getting your ass kicked. And at the end of the day, you look up, it's like 35 to 7. You're like, this sucks. No one even cares about my 100 yards. Like at least in basketball, they kind of care about your points. No one really cares besides maybe some fantasy football people. They're like, God, you know, Saquon might have been the best player on the field today. No, you lost 38 to 6, you know? Yeah. I did think, though, the the Le'Veon hurdle, like, usually you feel like when you watch it on TV, you can see the hurdle coming. You could not – he just – he went from mid-stride to hurdle so quick. You didn't see – it was so smooth. You didn't see it coming. That's what I'm saying. I think what sucks about him is think how sweet it would be if right now he was just on the Eagles. You know, we're on the Packers. We're just on a team that you thought, like, could make the the Seattle – just something where he was oh, just going to yeah. play in some, just some meaning. The Houston Texans, just on a team that's going to play Chiefs? in meaningful No, games. it's not get greedy. It's not get greedy. <laughs> Too slow for Andy. <laughs> uh, all right, what do we? Th- oh, okay. Here's here's one. I will talk about all the games on the next pod. But speaking of the Chiefs, two and zero, dynamic quarterback coming to town, MVP favorite, taking on Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs, Lamar Jackson. You like the Ravens in this game? No. 
You see, the, the Chiefs have a sneaky, a lot of injuries right now. Eric Fisher, their starting left tackle, had hernia surgery. He's, He's out. The game is uh, where? In Kansas City. So, Kansas City, first home game of the year. So, it's like, how, how many? Been, think about this. If you're a Chiefs fan, you watch him kick the shit out of Jacksonville. You watch Mahomes throw for 700 yards in a quarter against the Raiders. You have the star of the league, and you haven't even really got to experience him at home. Like, that place is going to be lit. If Lamar Jackson wins this game, are we going to be like, well, but the Chiefs defense isn't that good? Or are we going to say, no, you no, know what, he, let's give the man credit? Yeah, he. if he goes touchdown for touchdown, or just is every bit of Mahomes equal, like I think Mahomes is the clear front runner. I do think Lamar is in the in the conversation and can just throw his hat in the ring with like, you could argue even if he loses, but he's like, God, he threw four touchdowns. They lost 35-28. You'd be like, Lamar is, this dude's getting MVP votes. He's better than anyone. Well, I mean, some people really liked him. He's, I'll, I'll take credit. He's better than I ever would imagine already. Well, I agree. Uh, is he You uh, is he saving John Harbaugh's job? Like, Is well, John Harbaugh going to be the coach of the Ravens for the next eight years because of Lamar Jackson? Sure feels that way. I mean, John, wouldn't you say at this point in time, as we sit here, the Browns, they, or the Browns winning 10 games. They're just too loosey-goosey. I, I just don't trust them. Do you blame, do you judge the Browns for having the, the situation? Now, they got lucky because they were playing the Jets. It didn't matter. For Odell being on the field with a unsanctioned dark uh, visor. Because I do. Because to me, it's either one of two things. They didn't notice. Or they noticed and didn't want to be the bad guy and wanted the refs to take care of it for him, which they did, but then it cost him Odell on third and goal. I think when you get into the Odell business, it's a little like having a star like LeBron. It's hard to tell him things because you don't want – because the one thing you see with Odell, you see how happy he is after the game. You're like, God, Odell's fucking likable, man. But how the opposite he is when he's losing. To me, he's the the worst kind of front runner – because, one, unlike Antonio Brown, he's not getting in any trouble. Like, you know, I don't smoking a joint on a boat or cocaine and a pizza. Like, whatever. I mean, it's not. Like, I'm not. Too many carbs, Odell. Yeah, viewing him like a criminal. No, I mean, cocaine, not ideal. I'll just assume he's not using it. That he's so happy and so likable when it's good. But when he's bad, he just becomes. Like, even that thing with the, the tent advisor. Like, Odell, you're freaking out on the sideline. You're wrong. Like, I, I've done this a lot where I freaked out on cops. I haven't got a ticket in, like, a couple years to change my driving habits dramatically. But there was one coming past the, uh, you know, when you're coming toward the Bay Bridge on the 80, and you come past the uh, the track, and you're kind of getting close to Emeryville, it merges. There's that gas station on the right. Yeah, but there's like there's a merge where like the underpass is coming up and hitting the freeway. Mm-hmm. Well, there's those mm-hmm. thick white lanes, and in the thick white lane you can't you know merge right. You have to wait till it gets to the thin or the uh, like the every ten feet dots whatever. And I merged and I got pulled over and I freaked out on the cop. I was in the wrong, but I was just you know just angry. It's one of those you get pulled over, but I'm in the wrong. Yeah. Like Odell, you you're freaking out. You're in the wrong. You can freak out all you want. Like you're in the wrong. Did you so, see this video of the woman today? Maybe it was no. yesterday. I don't know. It might have been Instagram. It might, maybe it's been around for six months. But it's, it's the cop. Like it's, the, it's his cam, It's his camera shooting this whole thing on his chest. And he hands her a ticket for $80 for like a, maybe a taillight is out or a blinker's out. 
And he's like, it's been, she's like, why are you giving me a ticket? He's like, well, cause it's been out for six months. And she goes, well, only cause I'm honest. Cause she must've told him it's been out for, he must've said like, do you know it's out? She's like, yeah, it's been out for six months. So he gives her a ticket for $80. He says, you need to sign this. She refuses to sign it. She's like, I'm not signing it. <laughs> he's like, all right, ma'am, get out of the car. You're under arrest. She refuses to get out of the car. So, you know, she's probably in her, she's gotta be in her early sixties. <laughs> Long story short, she ends up on the ground. I think she gets tased. Ambulance has to come. It's like a whole thing. Is he getting and in trouble over it? I, I, I don't even know. I, the whole thing's on body cam. I don't know. I don't care enough. But I just watched and thought, is she? does she deserve an $80 ticket? If she, Like, is she really going to get it fixed? Because I just know if I were in her shoes, I'd be like, yeah, I got away with it. I'll go get it fixed. But you just don't have a You got to sign the ticket. It's 80 bucks. You just got to bite the bullet on that one. Yeah, it's, it's, Especially definitely, it's definitely not worth getting tased. Over Here's $80. my question. When he goes, get out of the car, do you go, oh, okay, I'll sign the ticket, I'll sign the ticket? Or are you just, now it's just out of, now you have gone too far, you're getting arrested? Well, I think you then go to sign the ticket, but there's a chance he's pissed off and he yeah, doesn't might be give too you late. the option. You know? And that's yeah. when you could make it worse. <laughs> I understand. I Would you know. laugh at me if I was in that situation and came out and I was getting tased? <laughs> yeah, I mean... Do you think that yes. would improve the brand? Yeah, I don't think it would hurt the brand. I just, yeah. I think... Um, Do you think... I, because just, does Taze, like, make you piss right away? Doesn't it kind of, like, shut yeah, off all your nerves? I think it does. Yeah. You might pee yourself. I, uh, some people do. I, um, I think it's one of those where everyone would understand, like, God, this is so stupid. But there's just some things you know you can't. You just... Well, you gotta just check yourself and just... And would it be a bad look if mid-argument I started dropping, like, I'm John fucking Middlecoff. You don't listen to the podcast? What, what, that, what if you were like, you know bar. what? This is going to go viral. If I just start screaming promo code ham, it's going to yeah. be great for the downloads. Sign this. I'm going to say promo code ham. See what if you signed it promo code ham and the guy checks it? What is promo code ham? Yeah. <laughs> Got him. Uh, what else? All right. So there's that game. Other NFL headlines? Well, we talked about Minka a little already. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, the game tomorrow, I... I want to watch Gardner Minshew. I think he's yeah, just kind too. of a cool, you know, uh, a cool little curveball we got in this NFL season. Like, it's way better than just, like, Case Keenum was Foles backup quarterback or whoever. You know, Nate Sudfeld or just some random-ass guy. I right. I can live with Minshew. And I hope my I'm, guy I'm with you I, because I we've talked about this. I think it's more – you asked me, is it more likely than not he's a 10-year backup? I think yes, at least. Um did he kind of have a little legendary moment at a Thursday night win? I mean, a second he game could. The, the, I'm not big on like Le- all legendary this other strong, stuff. but you just mean kind of just like I, I just don't like all this other hype building up beyond like the level of play. But hey, he's going to get a chance now to play like, up to the level. You don't love the attention. chest hair and the stretch and the jock strap. I think it's funny. It's whatever. But let's you got to play like that. This is the NFL. Like you got to you got to yeah, play. People start ripping on you and start taking shots when they start thinking you get hyped and you're not any good. But here's the deal: like he's getting the hype. He's also going to get the – like, Nick Foles isn't coming back next week, so Minshew's going to have the chance to back it up. And what you'd say about him is he came out of nowhere last year and backed it up when no one knew who he was. And I do – like I've told you, like I watch him, I don't think he gets intimidated. I don't think – he's going to get hit, he'll take a hit, he's not going to get punked. So, you know, I don't know quite what his ceiling is, but I do think his floor is is pretty solid. Well, like you said, fluff, all the stuff, and they're going to be talking about it a lot tomorrow, right? Like his – his outfits and all the stuff. At the end of the day, if he can just win tomorrow night, win Thursday night football games, I mean, everyone acts like they suck, and sometimes they do suck, but people watch because there's nothing else on. So he beats a one-on-one Titans team on a Thursday night game. That 
we think the hype's strong now, like people will kind of take him seriously, especially if he just makes some plays. Because, again, Thursday night football, nothing else on, people are just going to be watching him play. So I'm, I'm a fan. I'm rooting for him. And like you said, he does just have, like you watch him, he's kind of a pass-the-eye test guy. He's just pretty cool, totally. calm, and collected. He does not look like he doesn't belong. Now, that's not saying he does look like he's some star, because I wouldn't I, – I, you're right. I think the hype is at a point where we're talking about him like he's already like a legit player. And that's where people, players in the NFL and coaches like Greg Williams, that pisses them off. You know, I, I, I think this happened a little to the Browns is there's this blowjob going around from everyone about Baker Mayfield. And I would imagine there are a lot of people in the league. Like, what would you imagine when the Ravens or the Steelers, when they first played the, the Browns this year, when the defensive coordinator meets with his unit on like Wednesday morning? like what they're saying about Baker, especially if they're, you know, whenever they face him or like 500 team and he's just been eh, but they're going to want to kick his ass. You know, it's like when you play Tom Brady or Peyton Manning or Rogers, you, you don't talk like that. You just I'm gonna go, put hey, this guy. Guy in his, I'm going to put this Brady guy in his place. Yeah, it's, it's about guys. We've got to be locked in, right? You, you know, we're playing the Warriors. We're playing. We're pitching to Mike Trout. Like it's, it's time to focus, fellas. When you think you're playing a guy that's overhyped, you, you approach it differently. And it kind of starts with a one, fuck this guy. You know, this guy doesn't belong with us. And I think, like, Gardner's way far, like, in fairness to Gardner, like, he didn't, he just was the backup and his guy got hurt. Like, he didn't ask for any of this. Hell, he was asking Saban for a job, you know. Where I think Baker, I've had a couple texts, and maybe you text me this too. I mean, we've talked some shit about the Browns. Because I know this, I'm already, I'm out on the Browns, I just don't like them. But I'm getting a little too many Baker commercials. Like, a little yeah, we too talk, many. Yeah, yeah. It's, but it's, doesn't it feel like he's on three or four? And you get hit Hulu, with him a lot? He's got multiple ones in the stadium. What are those guys? Yeah, with his something? wife. Yeah. Are they married? Yeah, they got, they got married this summer. Does he have another one? I think he's got multiple Geico's. Yeah, maybe it's just the Geico's. Plus the Hulu. And you know Hulos. I, I don't. The Hulos clearly giving out a lot of cash to the athletes. I don't blame them for taking it. I would have taken it too. I would have won the pot. I've reached out. Here's a quick little. Uh, hey, we we'll take a quarter. Whatever you gave Baker. Here's here's a jet ski. Here's a um, quick little headline for you. Taco Charlton got released, John, by the Cowboys. Twenty eighth overall pick in seventeen. This is year three since the seventeen draft. So we've really started to already reach conclusions about guys. Miles Garrett, we didn't need this long. Trubisky, Solomon Thomas. Leonard Fournette, Jamal Taco Adams, Charlton was a first-round. Wow, that's crazy. Christ, Christian McCaffrey, Mahomes, Deshaun. Um, Remember the talk was, you know, this isn't a great draft, and there's some star players in this draft now. Yeah, I mean, now after him, David Njoku. Do you think if the Niners TJ could, Watt, Reuben Foster. I'll, I'll give you one. If the Niners could do it all over, and I gave him two options. I said, you're not getting Solomon Thomas, but you can have Jamal Adams or you can have Christian McCaffrey. Who do you think they would pick? Christian McCaffrey. That's who I'd pick. But well, I do would think would like, Kyle pick that guy? I think he would have. Like even Kyle, yeah, he would have. To. You hope. Kyle's like, well, do you see Jeff Wilson the third? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Have Could you imagine? But I, I do think like if you told me that Kyle was adamant, I can make the running backs get me Jamal Adams. Like I don't think it would be that crazy. Like there if is only- a chance Jamal Adams becomes like a seven-time Pro Bowler, right? Now, yeah, no, you wouldn't. It's fine. I just. Christian McCaffrey's just... Yeah, I'd take Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> He'd be the best player on the team. Who is the best player in the Niners, would you say? Kittle. 
So at least your best player is an all-pro. Is it ideal to have your best player be a tight end? You know, ask the Chiefs for about 10 years of Tony Gonzalez. I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's... No, it's not. Not when the guy is an elite, elite player. Not when, yeah, not when you can still be a pro bowler and not be as good as him. Yeah. But the key is you just got to do, like, for the Chiefs all those years, they were hit and miss some years with, like, who they built around them. Tony right. Gonzalez played on some teams that didn't win a lot of games. Right. But they had Larry Johnson. No, they had some years they were really good. So, if you, if you put the... That's what makes you unstoppable. Like, ask Andy goes, well, Travis Kelsey's probably our second or third best player. What mm-hmm. we've done a great job of is we got about seven other guys around him. So good luck covering him because you won't be able to. Like well, this no week, team has ever won a championship with one great player. What if I, I told think. you this week Kittle went out on two total routes because he's just staying back to block the whole time? Now, that's a positive. Like That, yeah. that to me, speaks to Kittle. Are they both touchdowns? Maybe. But, but you just see, like, you can – it's just hard, you know? Like, this might be a week where Kittle just doesn't do much beside block. And that's why football's so great. It's a team game, but... That's why he's so great, because he's good at that, too. Like, would you... Like, to me, I would be hesitant to play Kittle this week in fantasy. Yeah. Okay. Time to eat. On that note. Adios, Pelota. <laughs> See ya. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.